To those of you that joined us for Project Game Day yesterday, we do it every game day this season. Myself, Rita, Super Bowl champion Femi Ion Badejo, with you after each and every game. If you missed it, you can watch it. Go to pressboxonline.com slash game day. It's stored there. Or youtube.com slash pressboxonline, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. The place where you watch the shows live. All brought to you by AJ Michaels, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Come join us again this Sunday following Raven Seahawks Project Game Day each and every game day this season. Weird day, obviously. Weird day. Ravens win, but we're all sort of like, meh. Even the players, like, meh. Which is nice. And you're going to say, what do you mean it's nice? It's nice because that's where we are. Where we are is a day where the Ravens were never really threatened. We find ourselves sort of being like, eh. Eh. It's nice that on a day that you win on the road in the NFL, you can sort of be like, meh. This is a statement about where you are. Now, are there actual concerns that need to be discussed? I don't know. I mean, like, you want to say it's concerning, for example, that the Ravens, when they went into their prevent defense, suddenly allowed the Cardinals to threaten to get back into the game? I mean, like, imagine if they had converted the two-point conversion and then recovered the onside kick. Completely different story. At no point did the Cardinals ever have the ball down by one score, and so we're all sort of like, eh, you know, whatever. But if you want to say, hey, that that's an issue, like they need to be better in prevent, okay. That's a good – I would say that's a good problem to have. Like, I'm not going to argue with you. They probably need to be better in prevent. They They seem to not make the plays. They seem to sort of be going through the motions at the end of the game uninspired to actually concern themselves with making plays. So, all right, you know, I'll, I'll listen to it. It's nitpicking, but I'll listen to it. If you want to say you're concerned about the fact that they, like, weren't running the ball at all to start the game, and they really weren't running the ball at all to start last week's game, okay. Of course, last week they scored on all their first four possessions. This week they scored a touchdown on their first drive. So I don't, I don't know how to handle this conversation. And we attempted to talk about this with Femi yesterday. I, I know Lamar Jackson brought it up afterwards. I think... I didn't like how one-sided the play calling was to start the game. I'm not really sure why the last couple of weeks they have been uninclined to run the ball with their backs to start the game. I don't really know that I get that. I know that we're all talking about the Ravens' need for a running back, but like I, I need is such a weird word. I don't think that Gus Edwards is performing poorly. Now, if what you're saying is you want someone more explosive, sure, I'll listen to that. But I don't think the problem is that you can't run the ball with Gus Edwards. So I don't know I don't know what it is. I don't know why they've been so pass-happy to start the game the last two weeks. But I'd be nitpicking. After the first drive yesterday, it slowed down for a little bit. Didn't score again until late in the second quarter. Although there was a field goal miss in there. Mm-hmm. 
that that should have been more points. So if we want to nitpick that, I guess we can. It will be interesting to see if anything happens, and it sort of feels like the cloud that's over any conversation. For the record, I did not do a column last night at PressBoxOnline.com. I'm saving that for whatever may or may not happen tomorrow, and then I'll write about it tomorrow night. Because you don't want to write something and it, it, pull the curtain back. At PressBox, we try to get a little bit more legs out of things. We don't do a lot of 24-hour news cycle stuff. So we try to get a little bit more legs from like our columns in, in particular. We don't normally post a column on a Sunday for previewing a game like you would in a newspaper. And for those of you that don't know what newspapers were. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I know. I don't think you've ever picked up a newspaper in your life. And and you know what? I get it. Not even mad about that. That one's just a sign of the times, baby. That's not even a, you know, I, I'm not even, there's a lot of things I'll call you out on. That one won't be one of them. I have picked up a newspaper for what it's Why worth. Why would you have? that? Because I don't even understand that. Why? Because, you know, it's interesting. It's like What's I, interesting about well, it? To see how people used to do things. Okay. Yeah. Is that what it is? You ever pick See up what's a, currently still in a uh, a newspaper? You ever pick up an eight track? I don't know. What yeah, that I mean, is. right. Like I don't, I don't know, know what that is. You ever watched a VHS movie? Yeah, yeah, I have. You sure? Yeah. All right. Well, I was very right. little. Yeah. yeah, you were very little. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, then we had Monsters Inc. on VHS. How about that? Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> Look at you. So, I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know what's happening. Could it be they're afraid that like they get stopped running the ball early on and then suddenly they're on three and out or I mean, they get I, stalled I, I and they're I guess, and I didn't go back enough. I didn't like look at every play and say like here's the spot. Sometimes I do that when people start running, you know, getting freaking out about, you know, like a lot of times you you'll lose a game and somebody will point out like the disparity between run plays and pass plays and I'll go back and I say all right, well tell me what was the spot on what play were they supposed to run the ball? Tell me, go back and look. And tell me where it was. Somebody said, well, they went three and out here. They didn't run the ball. I'm like, right, because they got sacked on first down. Suddenly it was second and 16. Is that, that was where you wanted them to run the ball? It was second and 16? Matt Canada would. Matt Canada sure <laughs> as hell would. And, and like that, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that it isn't a problem, but sometimes when I do this, I, I try to at least go back and say, well, hey, they could have run the ball here. And again, like on the first drive, there's a few spots where I would say they could have run the ball. But they went down and scored a touchdown on the first drive. So now what? So you want to say on first the first play of the second drive, first and ten from their own forty-five, that they could have run the ball hit there. Instead, they called a pass play that led to a Lamar Jackson losing a yard on a scramble. They could have, but then they did run the ball on second down, and they, they got the third. Up. They got the third and three. They picked it up. Again, you want to say first and ten from the forty? They could have run the ball. Sure, they could have. I guess second and five, they could have. I look. I'll give you that. That the next two plays, they could have run the ball there. I I don't know why. After it, they've already equalized. They've already gotten it to seven seven. I don't know why there was only one run play on the next drive. I don't know. I don't have that answer. I. I it's an it's a weird conversation because I don't. I don't think the answer is they can't run the ball. I don't think the answer is I don't think they're as good up front at running the ball as they were obviously with Marshall Yonda and you know Hayden Hurst, frankly. You can even say that Josh Oliver's hurt them. Nick Boyle not be like they don't have the same 
caliber of extra blocking tight end. But I think one of the arguments that we're making about why the Ravens should be in the running back market is because what you really want is a three-down running back. You don't want to be in a situation where you're sort of announcing that you're running the ball. You want to have someone that can be on the field at all times to catch the defense off guard because they could be in for running purposes or not. That's sort of the idea of what it is that you're looking to do if you were to acquire a running back. Now, we are to understand. We have we have heard that both of the guys that you want, Saquon Barkley and Derrick Henry, are off the market. So if that's the case, I mean, could they add from the second tier of back? Could they try to pluck Zach Moss away from the Indianapolis Colts? Sure. Do I think Zach Moss immediately should go over Gus Edwards in a depth chart? No. I, mean, I like Zach Moss. I'm not saying you couldn't put Zach Moss on this team, but I don't feel anything significantly about Zach Moss. I think he's adding another running back for the sake of depth, which I'm not telling you is a bad idea, but I'm not moved by it. I'm not suddenly saying, well, there's your answer. Probably hurt the Ravens that the Titans won yesterday. So even if it was subterfuge, like they're, they're still kind of in it. And Will Levis played well enough that like they probably want to take a run at it. Played pretty well. Yeah. I mean, he played in fairness well enough. You're right. Is probably not even saying he played really well. Not that I know that that means that's what Will Levis is, but I have no idea how you ever let Ryan Tannehill take another <laughs> snap until you see that that's not what he is. I know sometimes we go, my God, Chris Collinsworth last night talking about Tyson Bagent was one of the most embarrassing things. Look, I, I've had a weird thing with Collinsworth where I think he's a fine broadcaster. He's never been worthy of being the Sunday night football guy. For some reason, we nobody wants to talk about that. Like, he was a kind of okay player that we, like, thrust into this prominent broadcasting role that never made sense. There are players with drastically more cachet that are just as good, and yet Chris Collinsworth has been that guy. But as much as we all bitch about him when he does Ravens games, Chris Collinsworth is fine as an analyst. That last night was embarrassing. I mean, that was to the point of you had to start asking yourself if it was coded and badass. Like, when they're getting their asses handed to him, and Tyson Bajan just threw an interception, and he's like, well, you know, they just might need Justin Fields to do some of the things that Tyson Bajan can do. Like what? It was awful. I mean, that was as bad as bad gets. Embarrassing. And it was either forced, like either somebody that week at NBC said, dude, you're going to you're, you're gonna have to start being Stephen A. Smith. Like you're going to have to start doing that type of shtick on our broadcasts, which I have been worried that time will come for a long time that that bat essery will start infiltrating legitimate sports broadcasting. So either that happened or Chris Collinsworth just decided for some reason to pull down his pants and show everyone his ass. One of those things occurred, and it was embarrassing last night. But Will Levis played really well for one football game. You got to back that up. I'm not ready to declare that Will Levis is a guy, although I'm sure his name will come up tomorrow in our waiver wire Wednesday preview. I don't know that it's not worth at least taking a flyer on Will Levis to see if there's something legitimate about what he did. I mean, the Falcons had a pretty good defense. I at least have to think about it. How embarrassing was it they were going to split reps between he and Malik Willis? How embarrassing is it that yeah. that was the plan? 
Like, I don't understand football teams sometimes. Like, I really don't get – you spent is the it? draft pick that you spent, man. Like, you clearly thought you needed a quarterback. You knew the answer on Malik Willis because if you didn't think you needed a quarterback, you wouldn't have taken Will Evans in the second round. What are you doing? Like, what? It's all political, I guess. I don't – I'll never <laughs> – I'll never understand it in my life, these decisions that some of these teams make. They're like, dude, we got to get a quarterback, but we're not going to play him. But like, did you need a quarterback? What are we doing here? What's going on? Anyway, sorry. I'm all over the place. Lose my mind. Uh, but it does probably hurt the chances. Like Even even when Schefter reported that they had told Derrick Henry he wasn't going to be dealt, there was at least a party that could say, well, maybe that's what they want you to think. They, they want teams to hear that in order to try to up the ante on a cost for Derrick Henry. But winning the game might well be enough for them to say, eh, let's... Let's ride it out. Let's ride it out and see what we've got here. So we'll see how the next 20, uh, 30 hours go. 30 hours as I speak. We'll see how the next 30 hours go as far as their ability to get a running back. But I don't, even if they don't get one, and I'm not all that pressed about it, I do think that they shouldn't be completely getting away from running the ball the way that they have at the beginning of the game the last couple of weeks. The good news is, for the most part, when they've needed to run the ball later in games, they have. Despite the fact that they don't really establish the run to start a game. But, you know, we are nitpicking. They won on the road. Uh, Femi made a point yesterday that I, I do think is relevant, which is that there is a human element to all of this. There's a human element to... You went from London to Baltimore to Arizona in a couple of weeks. And you can't pretend. As much juice as they had for Detroit last week, I I, I get it. While we criticize the Ravens for playing down to their level of competition, there is a human element of, but it's hard to be up for it the same way. And I get that. I, I do. I understand that on a human level, it is hard to fake it. And this isn't college football. This isn't like, well, when Alabama plays you know, Vanderbilt, they're never down for that. They're always – because they have drastically better players. And while the Ravens have better players than the Cardinals, this is the NFL. There's only 32 teams. And you don't just go get to recruit and pick all of the good ones. It, it just doesn't work that way. So on the road, after you've been through a few things these weeks, I, I can – it is understandable, not excusable, understandable why maybe you're not quite as up for that one. Why maybe you're just a little bit more meh about it. Now, they've got to figure out better ways to bring your own juice. I don't remember who's, who was the bring your own juice. Where did that start a couple years ago? That was a football team thing. I don't remember who it was. They got to figure out better ways to do it so that they don't end up being lethargic and lackluster. Because, again, if they lose, if they had lost that game, it would have hurt them badly when they had an opportunity to get some space on the Steelers and when the Bengals don't look now, but they coming. That was one that they needed to make sure they didn't screw up, and they didn't. Did they play with fire a little bit? I guess. 
Like even the early touchdown drive from the Cardinals was with the benefit of a really questionable call on Kyle Hamilton that for some reason we never got to see again on the broadcast. Yeah, it was rough. That was it was okay. It was a rough day for the it was a rough day. That was a there was I mean that's the last CBS crew, you know what I mean? Right. Like I it was a rough day. It was a rough day. I don't know. I think they kind of. It was. I'm not just talking about the broadcasters. I'm talking about the broadcast. I'm talking about like the. I mean, I thought the Michael Pierce stuff was weird. Yeah. Like I thought it was yeah. really weird, but like I get it. Ross Tucker likes to eat. Like I, you know, I I sort of get it, and I like Ross. I don't. I mean, so, like his his explanation of the hit on the sidelines was bizarre. I'm like Ross, what are you saying? That's like about as textbook late hit as it gets. <laughs> Well, he went He's back on it, yeah. Two years. But, then he, but even when he went back on it, he was, was like, like oh, well, yeah. you know, he was on the white. I guess that's right. I'm like, no, that's exactly like, what are we doing? Why are you trying to pretend like there was any controversy there at all? That is as obvious a call as it can possibly get. Like, I don't know. It was a weird day. It was a weird day. But um, I like the reaction when they just moved the football, when the refs. Yeah, but I, in it. that, I don't think that they did a good enough job of explaining. What it could now, thankfully, well, they were able to bring in really, Sterator to yeah, explain yeah. it, right, and like that. But, but that, that clearly, when when we laugh about it, I think it creates. I do think that there is a responsibility when you laugh about it. Sometimes it allows for there to be people like, "Yep, you see, the NFL is fixed." Instead of saying, "Huh, that's a little bit weird. I don't know that I I've seen that all that much." Let's try to figure out what we went on there, which, as we learned, was exactly what. As it was explained, there was a referee assist. They used the quote-unquote sky judge that, again, we're only allowed to use sometimes. When, when we like to. <laughs> Weird AF. Gotta fix that so you know, like you don't get the Pittsburgh uh, Rams thing wrong. But they got it right yesterday. And the sky judge told them, no, nah, it's a half a yard back. He didn't get there. Okay, cool. And that's where you want every play. Like, yeah, let's let's make sure maybe we get all of them right. What a thought! Let's get all the calls right. What a world! I don't know, man. They won. They won on the road. They won. And that kind of is it. And I don't know that any anyone took a step backwards. That was the thing I kept coming back to. Did anything take a step backwards yesterday? Again, I can nitpick the play calling. And in general, I I think they should be trying to run the ball a little bit more to start games. The, their ATS record, I guess, took a. Took a hit. Though. Well, I mean, yeah, that is infuriating. We'll get to that when we go over our picks. That is just good. It makes my blood boil. Difference in me being over five hundred or under five hundred for the week. That was that swung me from five and four to four and five. Sucks. I'll never forgive Nelson Aguilar. Never, never forgive him in my life. Um. So yeah, that one bo- that was bothersome. But not really. Did anyone take a step backwards? I didn't think Ronnie Stanley had as good a game yesterday, but I think as we saw a couple times, it was probably about the footing. Again, like you, both teams are playing on the same footing. Like you, the, the field, I don't know why it was so bad, but you you got to got to do something about that. You gotta you gotta go play. I I can't come away with anyone. Maybe you could say that the duo of Jadeveon Clowney and Kyle Van Noy was not as impactful. And so if you've been counting on that duo based on how they played for the few weeks before that, then 
perhaps you're feeling a little bit more shaky that they are able to continue to play at such an absurdly high level for the rest of the season. I've made the comparison a couple times. Remember, Justin Houston got off to a great start a year ago, but then was non-existent in the second half of the year. So if there is an area, maybe it fortifies your belief. I've long held the belief that they could still use one more like true ass-kicking edge rusher. When I saw the report that the only offer on the table for Montez Sweat was a third-round pick from the Falcons, I said, what are we doing? And I don't mean we, I mean the Royal Week, because I'm not speaking on behalf of the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, like, the NFL. Like, what? why would any good football team, first of all, why is it the Falcons, they don't have a quarterback? Why would they be the team? They might now, because they finally benched Ritter. That's true, but I still don't think they have a quarterback, pal. I don't think Taylor Heineke is the answer. What what are we doing here? That's Montez Sweat. You heard of him? He's good at the football. I'm in favor. I'm in favor of the Ravens uh, pursuing Montez Sweat. That would be a yes on uh, behalf of your boy, your pal GC. Says, let's do that. All right. Uh, let's thinking of thing, Speaking of things I want to do, let's talk to a friend of ours right now, of course, from the Believe in Ravens podcast. He is former Ravens tight end, my friend and yours, Mr. Dan Wilcox. He's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, Dan? How are you, brother? Doing great, Glenn. Thanks for having me on today, man. I hope you guys are doing great up in B-more. Everything is good, my friend. Same to you, to your family. I, you know, I, this is the weird thing about the NFL, right? Like, it, it, You're in a good world where a team can win on the road in a game where they were never really threatened, and yet the players themselves can still come away from it being like, eh. I don't know. We weren't all that impressed by our performance. Like, you, you know things are going well on the whole when it's not just crazy fans, but, like, the players themselves who are like, yeah, we think we could have played better than that. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the mindset you got to have if you're the Baltimore Ravens. They didn't play their best game at all, and they were going against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, it's another stadium. Yeah, it's a away game. You know, but you still want to try to capitalize on every opportunity that you get. And when the Cardinals was able to slow him down and stop him from scoring on multiple, multiple drives on offense, you know, it kind of frustrates you a little bit. And then defense, you know, if you're number one defense in the league, man, you want to pitch shutouts week in and week out. So you're never satisfied unless you get that goose egg. Uh, no question, right? And, again, I don't think they did anything poor. The thing that I came away with, Dan, like we were just talking about this a minute ago, I don't think anyone took a step back yesterday. I, I think everybody was fine. I just think that the standard of what they did at Detroit was so absurdly high that it's going to be really hard to live up to that week after week. Like, expecting that they're just going to look that perfect week after week, we know damn well that's not how this league works. You're absolutely correct. I mean, it's not the type of league where you're going to look perfect week in and week out. And you never expect to be perfect, but you practice the butt off so that you can be perfect in situations and when you play different teams. And you want to think it's a, it's a collective effort. You know, it's a, a game plan and just – having smart coaches putting together intelligent game plans and the other team having the same situation on their end. And now you got those two brainiacs trying to outthink each other. And, and now you got to go out here and, 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 and basically put on a show in order to execute the game plan that you guys have put in week in and week out. So I definitely don't think we, we took a step backward, but it was still part of our growing pains as, you know, with a new OT, new offensive coordinator, the defense starting to really gel a little bit. And, um, you know, bringing in new players and they all getting used to each other. Lamar getting used to the timing of different receivers and routes and, you know, thinking about what to call at the right situations. You know, there was one play I think they threw the ball to Dave Flowers 
um, in the flats, and OBJ was blocking a corner one-on-one. He kind of got bullied by the corner yeah. a little bit. The corner got in his chest and, and kind of stabbed him in his chest a little bit before OBJ was able to get his feet underneath him. And he stumbled a little bit, and the corner was able to make the tackle for like a maybe a one-yard gain or right at the line of scrimmage. And that's, that's a frustrating situation when you're a star receiver. You know, now you're blocking for somebody. You're used to being the guy being blocked for. Now you have to be the guy to block for the other guy. And that's a frustrating a frustrating situation at all and then you you look at the the roster he's like was obj was the was he the best person you could put out there to block for zay flowers on that on that screen like you know so you have to check yourself as an oc and you have to check yourself as a player you know i think aguilar would probably have been a bigger a bigger stronger receiver to put out there or even a mark andrews you put mark andrews out there flexed out and and by himself and then motion zay flowers out to that same place and throw it to Zay, and now you got Mark Andrews blocking one-on-one on, on a, most likely an oversized DB or a smaller linebacker because most linebackers are smaller and quicker now. So there's there's ways that you could have made that play a little bit better. I would even add uh, a little bit to that. Like I think Rashad Bateman's been blocking really well of late. Like That, that to me, is kind of crazy. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll present this to you. When you bring up some of the play calling and decision-making, and, again, I think most people w- would say we've, we've liked what we've seen from Todd Munkin, but the one thing the last couple of weeks that's been interesting to me is early on in the games they, they have kind of gotten away from the run. And, again, there was nothing to complain about last week. They got up – they scored 28 points. What would you complain about? Um, this week right. – and uh, my friend Jonah Schaefer from the Baltimore Banner did that some of the numbers on this – said the early down pass rate in the first quarter yesterday was 88%. Um, it right. it absolutely felt like, for whatever reason, they just weren't giving the ball to their running backs early on in the game. And Lamar Jackson brought that up after the game, said we really got away from the run today. I, I don't I don't know how to explain it because I do think it might tie into the conversation that some people have had about whether or not they could use a running back at the trade deadline. But I, I think Gus Edwards has run well. Have you been at all surprised by their reluctance to run with their backs early in games the last couple of weeks? Not at all, man. I I think as an OC, and I and I battle with this all the time, Glenn, like as an offense coordinator, as a coach, I think you have to sit down and think about where you're your strongest at and where you where you have your most talent at. And Gus Edwards, Justice Hill is is both talented running back, but I don't think they're more talented than Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman, and DuVernay, um, Aguilar, you know, as a whole. You know, my receiving core to me is better than my running back core, so I should be trying to get the ball to my best player. As an OC, that's mentally where you have to go. Having the ball in Lamar Jackson's hand is probably your most dynamic player you have on the field completely. You know, and then you think, what's my next probably most dynamic player on offense? I would probably automatically go to Zay Flowers. And then I would probably think maybe Mark Andrews, or then maybe probably OBJ. You know, and then I would probably think maybe Augusta Edwards and Justice Hill, you know, down that, that line, but if you're trying to get the ball to your best players, you know, I can't complain about him trying to ever throw the ball to OBJ or Zay Flowers or Mark Andrews or any of those guys. Like, how could, how could you complain about that? You know, get the ball to your best guys and let your best guys do dirt, you know, to the people that you're playing against week in and week out. So I don't have any issues ever if he decides he's going to throw the ball 100 times a game or if, he, if even if he decides he's going to run the ball 100 times a game, then we take it right back to where we just came from with the OOC. Greg Roman and everybody was upset and complaining that we was running the ball too much. Right, right. You know, so I mean, it's a double-edged sword. You look, look at how you, you know, you just got to look at it a different way, man. I, I think getting the ball in the hands of your number one player on offense is the most important thing you got to do. His former Ravens tight end Dan Wilcox, believe in Ravens podcast. He's with us here on GCR. 
I, Dan, I bring that up because, uh, you know, there have been multiple reports. The Ravens have been in the market for running backs as we approach tomorrow's deadline, and, and we know that Eric DaCosta has been very active and very much believes in the trade deadline and trying to improve a team. I I've, I've, I felt a little odd about it, right, because I can certainly understand. If, if it was Saquon Barkley, who the Giants have said allegedly isn't available, but, you know, you never know, and the Titans have now said that allegedly uh, Derrick Henry is not available, but if it's one of those guys, you certainly get it. I just – I don't right. know outside of those two guys how significant the need is necessarily at running back, Dan. Like, I, I feel like if you can go top end, like, sure, Saquon Barkley is going to make any football team better, right? Like, I'm always going to listen to that. But if it's not that, I just don't – I don't know when somebody brings up, well, maybe it's Zach Moss. I'm like, I'm not I, – I get it. I think Zach Moss is a, a nice player, but is Zach Moss really an improvement upon what you have? Like, where are you at with their need at running back and – whether that would be a route that you would go. I'm with you 100%, Glenn. I think getting a Saquon or, or, or Derrick Henry is a, is a lights-out decision. I mean, yeah, they'll make any team better. Yes, they'll make us better. Now you got a, a question. Now you got a legitimate question when you don't run the ball every play, when you got those guys back there in the backfield. But I, I, can, I don't ever think you can have enough elite talent at running back. You know, they keep saying a running back is a dying position. I, I don't agree with that at all. I feel like, you know, just like look at the game we just played yesterday. And once we got up, we was able to run the ball effectively yeah. with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. And then that shuts out games. You know, it slows down the game tremendously. It, it, it takes the ball out of the other team's hands, you know, for extended periods of time. And it wears down on their defenses. And the defense get exhausted and tired and fatigued. Because Arizona defense was humming all over the ball. It was, I mean, Buda Baker was all over the field. As you saw towards the end of the game, he started to slow down because we started to run the ball so much, you know. But even OBJ got hurt because he was flying around back there at DB. He jumped up for a pick that he probably wasn't going to be able to get and need him in the chest and end up probably bruising his ribs or something, you know. Yeah. So it's just, to me, running is the way that you slow down defenses, you take time off the clock, and you extend your drives for, for five, ten, six minutes, you know, six, seven, ten-minute drives, 11-minute drives where you take, you take the ball down the field just running the ball over and over, the clock never stops, you know. And to me, that's the best way to do it. If you once you get a league, a 14, 21-point league, you know, it's a double-edged sword again. You know, you take your throat off of them passing the ball when you've been really effective, and now you start to run the ball, and you pray that that slows the, you know, that slows the game down and it makes the clock continue to run, you know, and now you don't get a chance to put as many points on the board as you probably could have. So what would be your, like, you know, we, we're giving this to, to you. The thing that if they did tomorrow, or today or tomorrow, that to you would be the best thing they could do to fortify their chances of winning the Super Bowl, what would be, maybe it's not a player, but just position, what they could add that would make you say, all right, you know, giddy up, now now let's go get it. The only thing I would say that would probably make us more valuable on offense is probably – uh, another offensive lineman, maybe a tackle outside guy that could back up our two tackles that's going to be legit a threat, if not push those guys to play better. Um, and then maybe a, a, like a Derrick Henry, I think would be a great fit for the Ravens. You know, it's smash mouth football. We're going to run the ball down the road. We're going to punish you. And people are going to be afraid of Derrick Henry, Henry in a Ravens uniform. You know, a Saquon Barkley would be nice, but he's kind of a mixture of what you already got between just Justice Hill and, and Gus Edwards, you know, but Derrick Henry is, is is almost like Gus Edwards on steroids times three, Man. you know. So, so I, I think that would be a great move for us. And then, of course, on the defensive side of the ball, 
you know, I, I keep looking at us on the defense. We're one step away, you know, from having probably 35 sacks right now in a year. You know, one step away. I just, you know, it's something that we're missing on the defensive front, the defensive line, outside linebackers, interior line area that that we're missing. And I'm not, I'm not 100% sure if it's an actual player we need to go get or if it's just, you know, maybe a, you know, a couple different packages or different play calls or whatever on defense to be able to get these guys one step closer to the quarterback. But we're just, the, you know, the football guys just haven't been in our, in our total favor as far as us getting those sacks and sack fumbles and stuff like we, like we were accustomed to having for so long in Baltimore. And Clowney has been the perfect addition for us, you know, with the amount of pressures he's getting on the quarterback. He, it's just he's, he's one fingertip or one jersey pull or one arm or hand away from getting probably another nine or ten sacks. You know, that guy. So, I mean, it's, it's, he's been phenomenal. We just got to get him to get one step faster to the QB. Yeah, I mean, I and look, I, I think they've gotten way more out of Jadavion Clowney and Kyle Van Noy that you could possibly expect, but I'd still be, you know, like, I, I, I just don't think in yeah. this league you can have enough edge rushers. Like, that's how you got to beat uh, one of these. T- look, this is going to be murderer's row in the playoffs in the AFC, right? You're looking around. Joe Burrow's back to life all of a sudden. Josh Allen, Mahomes, Absolutely. even. The, you're yeah. going to have to get those guys on the ground. Like, you've got to get them on the ground to a Lawrence. I, I just, to me, I, I can't have enough. I can't have enough edge rushers, even if you do have 31 sacks on the season. And even if these guys have played well, I, I'd still be adding another one into the mix, Dan. Did, did you did you see the um the sack that Oway missed yesterday when uh, he came out scot-free off the yeah. edge, had Dobbs about 20 yards deep, Dobbs spun out of it, and he kind of got away? Yep. To, to me, that's what we've had, like, 15 or 20 of those plays this year. Like, you just make that tackle. Like, we we, we got 20 more sacks than we have right now. We think we're already leading the league in sacks already. Correct. You know, but, I mean, Davian Clowney had one yesterday where he just grabbed the top of your Dodge jersey, almost like a horse collar, and missed him. And then tried to grab him again, and he threw the ball down the field, complete to the tight end for a 25-yard gain. And um, he should have been sacked on that play hands down. So, to me, it's, to me, it's more of a leverage thing. I think for me, like I'm mean, when I say like it's a one step away from us making all these plays, I think if we play with better leverage, maybe play lower so you can change directions just a little bit quicker and be a little bit more explosive being able to change the direction. We're playing a little bit too high once we get to the quarterback realm and we're not being low enough to the ground so that we can change directions and be able to get up on these guys as fast and as quick as we want to because we're off balance or we're too high and the, and the, and the lineman pushed us in the shoulder and that, now, that, now we're off balance and we're reaching for them instead of being able to run through them, you know. So I just feel like maybe we just play with a little bit better leverage at the D-line spot because we're obviously we're doing a phenomenal job because we got probably more pressures than any other team in the league. We just have to be able to, to turn those pressures into sacks. You know, this should be at least a 30-40 sack season, season for the Ravens, at least a 30-sack season, break right. a record. Before I let you go, um, just your thoughts. I, we saw, saw some fire from Odell Beckham in the second half yesterday and slamming his helmet down after the pass interference that – where he clearly wanted a yeah. touchdown, you're still to me to, is to you to me. I feel like that's still the good type of competitive fire where you're like, yeah, you know, it's it's over the top, but you like someone who cares that much, who so deeply wants to be that guy that just not getting a touchdown instead of having to settle for a pass interference has him that angry about it. I know that there will always be people that will say, well, hey, do you worry at all that that becomes too demonstrative and. But I, to me, that still feels like that's on the right side of competitive fire, right? A hundred percent. Like I'm not mad at that at all. I know, 
Munkin has to feel pressure to have such a high-profile receiver, you know, on his squad and not be able to get the ball to him as much as he can, you know. But OBJ, man, is a, to me, he's the right type of competitive type player and type teammate that you need. And his frustration is valid, is you know, is warranted. You know, he's he used to being a dog, and he's going to always be a dog in his mind and his head, and he should want the ball, and he should want that to be a touchdown versus a, a pass interference call. You know, like every opportunity he gets, you know, he's getting held and grabbed and snatched and pulled and bumped. You know, and that to me, if I'm on the other side of the ball, that's exactly what I'm going to do to him. I'm going to do everything I can to get him right. frustrated. And then seeing him slam his helmet makes me feel like we did our job, you know. So he has to be able to to, to keep that emotion, you know, concealed. But at the same time, allow, that, allow it to come out on the field 100 miles per hour so that when he goes against these guys, he could be the one delivering all those bumps, pushes and shoves and, you know, and running away from people so that he can make the plays and stuff that he wants. He has to be able to play through the the negative stuff that people are going to do to him in order for him to be able to progress and continue to be the OBJ that we all have grown to love. Dan Wilcox, you want to remind everybody about the Believe in Raven, Ravens podcast? Absolutely, absolutely. We'll probably have another show airing this weekend, you know, talking about the game right now with the Ravens and Cardinals, and then we'll have another one posted later on in the week. That could be a quick, short recap on um, on wh- who, who we're going to play the next, the following week. I think we got the Seahawks next. Yep. You know, so definitely looking forward to the Believe in the Ravens. You could get it on any platform, Believe in the Ravens podcast. You know, um, Kyrie Thompson and, and Daniel Wilcox. Please tune in and, and listen as much as you possibly can. Thank you. Dan Wilcox. Love you, brother. At Coach Wilcox on Twitter. That's how you give him a follow. Always appreciate you, dude. Let's talk again real soon, all right? Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on. That's our guy, Dan Wilcox, former Ravens tight end, with us here on GCR. Hour number one of today's show has also been brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. We'll come back in. We'll recap picks for the week. That's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Todd Karpovich profiles the Orioles' survivors, Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan Mancastle, who all came from the previous regime but stuck through tough times to be key pieces in guiding the franchise back to prominence. Also inside, we remember the iconic Brooks Robinson with tributes from Jim Henneman and myself, Stan the Fan Charles, and a trip down memory lane to remember the most significant moments of his career. Plus, we meet players from college basketball programs around the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. 
Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on, where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas in at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good but hey you're already here now so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to gcr all right back in here on a gcr it's time for us to go over uh, picks as totally over the ravens thing just so totally not furious about it. i was uh we were we were sitting on the zoom getting ready for project game day to start and kz was on with me and as soon as <laughs> The Ravens got it to 16. I said back to Ken right then, I'm like, well, because the Cardinals went for two the last time, you know that like this could end up blowing up in our faces. And he was like, well, I don't know. And so when they didn't convert the two, I swear to God, Ken and I acted like the Ravens had won the Super Bowl. <laughs> like when they failed the two-point conversion, it was a penalty, right, and then they got backed up, Ken and I jumped up out of our seats and – incredibly so I'm like oh thank god it's over I'm like all right let's go ahead and start the and then two seconds later two seconds later worst beat in Ravens history uh all of our odds for picks come of course from Superbook Sports use the code Glenn Clark 23 when you sign up at Superbook you will receive a same day first bet match up to $250 again the code is Glenn Clark 23 Superbook.com, download the Superbook app. Ravens establishes five-and-a-half-point favorites against a good Seahawks team next Sunday in Baltimore. That makes you think. If that just, you know, you're like, oh, that's interesting. Then get over to Superbook.com. Ravens now the fifth favorite to win the Super Bowl. Actually, they're tied with the Cowboys as the fifth favorite. 
the Chiefs have now taken over as the favorite favorite. Actually, oh, the Chiefs and the Eagles are tied at both five to one. The Niners at six to one. The Dolphins eight to one. The Ravens and Cowboys ten to one. And the Bills twelve and Bengals and Lions fourteen. So those are the top nine teams in the AFC. The Ravens at five and a half to one. And the AFC North actually is locked at the moment. Why would that be? There's not an AFC North team playing tonight. I don't know. But the reality is. So much in the air. Reality is. Those are the numbers. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. All right. uh, Let's go over the weekend. Uh, We began on. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean. I've got nothing to say. I, and I and I mean this. It is as bad as you think it is. I I, I mean, it, it, with the exception being that if you think the coach should be fired. Yes, Maryland lost outright to Northwestern, which is utterly shameful. With the worst part being that as they were moving the ball at the end of the game, if they just go down and score and win, even by one point, it's okay. It's not good, but it's okay. You can still salvage hope. You can still salvage optimism as long as you just don't lose. As bad as bad gets. The last three weeks have been as harmful to this program as anything that's happened, obviously, post the Jordan McNair tragedy. I don't want to compare anything to that awful awful three weeks for the University of Maryland saying the coach should be fired is just what we do when we like, it's just lazy we have no context for anything when you look at the schedule and you say boy I'm not they, they still have to win one more game just to get bowl eligible and you say like I don't know what game right now I'm confident they're going to win Obviously, Nebraska and Rutgers provide your best chances, but those aren't doormats. They're they're competitive teams. It would be relevant to discuss how bad it would be for this program for this to completely fall apart, for this to go from five and zero to five and seven. Even that probably wouldn't be firing the coach, but it wouldn't be good. It would be a problem. I don't know what it means. Obviously, the Kevin Sumlin thing was a huge distraction last week. It wasn't. There's just no getting around it. The lack of discipline is infuriating. And I like Michael Oxley, and I still think he's the best option to be the coach of Maryland football, but it's got to end. The lack of discipline is insane. It's, it's bat-ass. Bad. Bad, bad loss as Maryland falls on the road at Northwestern. Um, thought that Florida was going to have a chance to be competitive with Georgia. I was wrong. Georgia looked just fine without Brock Bowers. Did not miss a beat. Um, and we might need to start noticing that, like, what's his face? Is it, uh, Carson, um, Carson Beck. Thank you, Carson, Carson Beck. Beck. Not Carson Weekly. That's, uh, that's our Carson. Carson Beck is playing pretty well. Um First, uh, what do they call it? CFP first CFP rankings will come out tomorrow night. I, I, I would think that Georgia would be number one, but I, I saw some people saying that by resume, that apparently Ohio State has a chance to be number one. I think other people believe that Michigan should be number one. I think we know it's not going to be Oklahoma. That's the one thing that we know it's not going to be. 
Um, but yeah, they looked uh, they looked very good. Forty three twenty, they crush Florida. So uh, myself and Griffin and yeah. a few others uh, missed that on that one. Ken Zalis, John Little Rock, Nick Kelly were all on Florida. Uh, Paul Valley and Kyle Ottenheimer steal a point on Oregon as they throttled Utah. That one was also for for what looked like on paper a very good three thirty yes. window of college football. It did not pan out that way. Oregon crushes Utah thirty five to six. So Paul and uh, Kyle steal that point with the line having been six and a half. Man, this is a reminder: do not bet these big numbers. I talked about it on Friday shameful absolutely shameful you get to the end of the game and one team's trying and one team isn't and the it is so easy to get backdoor covers when you have larger than touchdown spreads in the nfl and that's of course what happened on thursday night football as tampa was not in it but did just enough at the end to come away with a cover betting these big numbers we i i I gotta learn at some point i have to learn at some point in my life jeremy andrew stecka ryan shell and john and little rock we're on Tampa and got that point. Um, only Ken Zalis and John and Little Rock were on New England. They were not able to back up their win over Buffalo by like early on. They were somewhat competitive with the Dolphins. Early on, you're like, oh, that could be interesting. Didn't didn't well, stay yeah, that way. They scored first, and then it yeah. was. But then thirty-one to seven, ultimately, or thirty sorry, thirty-one to seventeen. Mm-hmm. Miami handles their business, wins by two touchdowns, and covers the eight and a half. Uh, Pittsburgh-Jacksonville was never particularly interesting. I actually didn't end up sticking with it because I had a soccer match. When did Pickett get hurt and how long? He got hurt, I think, in the fourth, nah, or maybe it was late in the third. He got hurt in the second half. Okay. And it did not look great. It, 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 may- it maybe should have been a roughing. I mean, I don't know how to say this in a nice way. I'm not really sure how much difference it makes. <laughs> did like, you the see- only thing I could say is... Like the the nicest thing I can say about Kenny Pickett is you're not going to win because of him, but if your defense can keep you in the game for long enough, he does have this like sort of gumption, this moxie at the end of games where despite the fact that he's not very good, he finds ways to like will you downfield, particularly when he's got four downs to do it. So if he's going to be out for some, and I don't know if there's an update. I have not seen one. It didn't look good. Um, we know that Kirk Cousins is going to be out probably for the rest of the season. But if he's going to be out for a little while, it's easy for me to say, like, how, he's not good. How much does it really hurt you? But what it hurts for them is their only path to victory is play extraordinarily extraordinary defense and be in it in the fourth quarter. Be in it, and with his his spunk, his moxie, maybe he'll have a chance. So to at that, least cover, yeah. Yeah, that really hurts you. I don't think they were ever covered. They were not competitive yesterday. They were. They, I mean, their defense was fine for a little see, while. So you saw the end of the first half, um, or were you already? Going? I saw so the this was, I they, saw the they, ATN they, thing. Oh, uh, um, yeah, he had a great second half. No, they had a field goal attempt right before halftime. I think it would have been nine to six after after they make the field goal, yeah. but they 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 threw a flag. They said that the guard lined up off sides on the field goal, which. Everyone looked back. It did not. He was You're not. very worked up about this. Like it makes some sort of difference. They I mean, were not. They were not covered. Well, it would have been like nine to six or something. It would have been a lot different. They, they would not, have had momentum going. They were not, backed him up five yards. They it was a two and a half point spread. They were not covering yesterday. That was not happening. They were that, never. Uh, that was felt like a big swing. They, it, no, they were never competitive. You've just tried to justify that in your mind. I'm not, I'm not backing up. A, I'm not backing up a, uh, a. I mean, yeah, they were never going to cover. But yes, thank you. There we go. They were never. But it would have been nine it. to six going into halftime. What are you doing? What is this bit? For the Steelers, that's big. 
myself, Paul Valley, Kyle, uh, John Proctor, and Nick Kelly were all in the Jaguars for that one. Uh, Cleveland, Seattle. Of course, it's a three and a half point spread, so of course it's a four point game. Of course, we said like, you know, I feel like Cleveland could stay right in this one, and we were right. Until and they missed it yeah. by a half a point, and missed it by a half a point. So on Seattle, we're goo boy. Uh, Paul from Valley, Paul from Valley, Paul Valley, John and Little Rock, Ryan Shell, and Andrew Stecka were all on the Seahawks there. Bengals. First of all. I, I thought that Sam Darnold was going to play, and so this was the easiest pick in the history of humanity to me. Truth is, what we were feeling was really about the Bengals, and we were right to feel it. Coming out of the bye, the Bengals are back. There's no way around it. The Bengals are back. If you had written them off because of another 0-3 start, look, it's weird that they start the season so slow, but this year I think we knew that it was all about Joe Burrow's health. Joe Burrow looks fine. He looks like Joe Burrow. And when you have Joe Burrow... You're going to be in good shape. The Bengals are back. They are going to be a factor. Huge Thursday night game coming up in a couple of weeks. Thankfully at home for the Ravens. Bengals very much back as they win outright, not just cover. Uh, only Jeremy Kahn, Andrew Steck, uh, John Proctor, and Paul were on San Francisco in that one. Brock Purdy, you know, we ready to start talking about it at some point? When do we start talking about it? When do we start having conversations about how the the thing that we were doing with Brock Purdy was out of control, like where we were pretending like he was something more than he was? And then, of course, the Ravens thing, which I believe should be investigated. I do believe that we should talk to Congress about this. I, like if this, what is it, Mike Johnson, this fake person that they made the uh, Speaker of the House out of nowhere, if this person wants to show that like he has the interests of our country in mind, He'll try to get to the bottom of this, whether Nelson Aguilar was involved in all of this. or th- This is as shameful as shameful gets as far as failed covers are concerned. The Ravens had no business not covering this game, and yet somehow, some way, the Cardinals end up getting back within seven. And so stealing a point, which was significant for all of them because it was the difference in them being over 500 this week. All three of... John from Little Rock, Nick Kelly, and Jeremy Kahn would have been under 500 for the week, but instead they stole a point with the Cardinals in the absurd circumstances at the end of the game. So Paul Valley goes 6-3 and three for the week. He's got the high water mark. The low water mark was not Griffin Bass. Well, not he wasn't good. Really matter. He wasn't good, and we'll get to it, but he was not the low man on the totem pole. That belonged to Ken Zalis, who has fallen out of the top spot on the table. Shake up. For those of you that are playing the home version, remember at the top of the table, we're playing for a little bit of cash. At the bottom of the table, we are playing to avoid having to be the one to come in here dressed as the Notre Dame mascot after we take an Irish dance lesson. We perform said Irish dance. We perform zombie and nothing compares to you. Our guy Tim from Bel Air will make a delicious plate of haggis, blood sausage, and tripe. And you might want to start thinking about whether those are perhaps tastes you might enjoy, Griffin. And you'll wash it down. Our uh, Tennessee's Lord and Savior, Will Levis, you'll wash it down with a Will Levis-style Irish coffee. And where we are now at the moment, Nick Kelly, Dr. Nick Kelly, atop the table, Dr. Nick sitting at 42 and 36 
One game clear of now a slew right behind him. Ken Zalas, John Proctor, Andrew Stecka, Kyle Ottenheimer, all just one game back. Just two games back, we find John Little Rock and Paul Valley. Three games back where I'm sitting, totally cool with what happened at the end of the day. And then... Yeah, well, you're sliding too, yeah. No, I'm still in the first bunch. I'm as close to the top as I am to the next person on the list. I'm three games behind, and then I'm three games clear of Ryan Chell. Ryan Chell no longer at the bottom of our original group. As seven games back, we now find our pal Griffin Bass. God, I Three and six week, seven games back. Thank God for Jeremy. Now, yes. Jeremy Kahn hopped in late and said, I feel so confident in what I'm going to do picks-wise that I will hop into our contest behind the eight ball and still believe that I won't finish last. And Jeremy Kahn is now over 500 since joining the league at 22 and 21. He had got off to a slow start. I think he's, he's officially made grant because I think he was 14 back yeah, when he joined. He's turned it around, so and now officially. he's within 13 games of Griffin. Now, he's not making up ground. He's making up at a very incremental pace. But if he can make up one game a week, yeah. there is enough time still to make up one game a week. It's close, right, because you get in the playoffs. Obviously, we now know that we're eight games in or eight weeks in, so there's ten weeks left in the regular season. But then we have playoff weeks after that. So if he makes up one game a week, he's in good shape. He's going to get you. Yeah. He's going to get you. And so you need to maybe pick your game up a little bit, my friend. I'm trying. I, I don't know. It's not good, bro. I mean, I guess it's I... It's not I, good. I have to just start flipping a coin, close my eyes, I guess. I, and I've been through times like that where know. I'm like, I don't, I don't By know. the way, I'm struggling right now. It's been a rough couple of weeks for me. Again, it would have been fine. I would have still had a, a 500... It's those damn touchdown plus spreads. Both of them bit me in the ass yesterday. I know better. I know better. But both the Buffalo game and the Baltimore game, touchdown plus spreads. I should have immediately said, nope, staying away. It's four straight weeks of staying away. sub-500 for me. It's not great, Griffin. That's not great. You it were is. at the top of the table. I know. You were right there battling. coming away, And I know you need the cash because I've seen how you bet. You need the cash. The rest of us could probably donate it to charity, but you need it. Rough times for our pal, uh, old uh, Griffin Bass. Rough, rough times. So that's where we are after uh, week eight, or I guess for us, week ten in our picks contest. We'll get it up. Uh, the recap is part of uh, Pats on the Ass a little bit later on. Speaking of which, get me your Pats on the Ass. You know the rules. You got to pick five Ravens, rank them from five to one. Got to include on that list two offensive players, two defensive players. The fifth can be whoever you'd like, another offensive player, another defensive player a special teams player, or a coach. Rank them from 5 to 1, with number 1 being your man of the match. Send them to me at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. We'll share ours coming up here in a little bit. All right. You got to tell them. We good? Yes. Very good. Been a little while. It's time for us to go across the pond uh, from PFF, Pro Football Focus. We welcome in, as we start hour number 2 of the program, Mr. Gordon McGinnis, who's with us now here on GCR. Gordon, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up, brother. Thank you for taking the time for us. Thanks for having me. How's it going? Everything is going well here, man. You know, I yesterday, and I know you wrote about it for PFF, but before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of what occurred, um, in, in general, yesterday was just such a weird game. 
in that we all know the Ravens were never really threatened, and, you know, if not for some weird stuff, they win it by double digits on the road, and yet not just crazy fans, but, like, the players afterwards are like, yeah, we don't think we played all that well, and we all kind of agree. Like, we think it was a lackluster performance despite the fact that they were never really in jeopardy whatsoever. It felt a little bit like the the fourth quarter of the uh, Titans game in London, whereby they had enough of a lead that you kind of just assumed the game was over. And then, you know, even at the end yesterday, when the, the Cardinals scored and they get ready, even when they converted the first onside kick, it's like, okay, like maybe they score again here. It just never felt like, never felt like it was in danger for them. But there's just like a couple of things that, they just don't seem to hit on on all cylinders um, that allowed the allow teams to kind of stay in the game a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how to, I don't know how I can say they have like a prevent defense problem. I don't know if it's just an emotional thing. Right? I was talking to our my friend Femi Ayambadejo uh, about it after the game yesterday, and he was like, "Look, man, guys are human, and while we on the outside criticize the Ravens and say things like, "Well, they never seem to be up for these types of games." It's like, but you gotta be able to understand it, right? Like they're they're on the road in a place where like the fans are kind of indifferent. They've traveled, you know, they were out to see you a couple weeks ago, and then they came back home. Now they had to go back to Arizona. Like they've been through a lot of things. Maybe it's understandable that with a big lead, they just weren't quite as dialed in in the fourth quarter. But they got to do something about it because they can get away with it on days like yesterday. At some point, it's gonna bite them in the ass again. Yeah, and I think. They they did figure it out uh, the the further into the game they got. The big criticism I had early on was with the way the Cardinals are set up on defense. They're fast. Yeah. They're not they're not great. They're not a loaded team, but they are fast and they were able to contain Lamar Jackson, prevent those you know big. I think they only allowed one ten plus yard rush from Jackson, whereby he kind of got outside off tackle. That was a game whereby early on they just needed to to feed Gus Edwards right. and run up the middle. Um, and they figured it out once they got into the second half. The reason why they took that game to the point where, you know, as close as the Cardinals got in the end, they were never really in it, was because in the fourth quarter they realized, okay, let's just run the ball up the middle. Let's start picking up five, six yards of carry here. Uh, he is Gordon McGinnis from PFF. He's with us here on GCR. All right, uh, Gordon, I want to get into a couple of things with you because the first is going to be I, – I, I haven't even said Michael Pierce's name since the show started and probably giving away because we do our silly pats on the ass segment. I think everybody knows who's going to be at the top of my list. Um, the story of the season he's putting together – because obviously yesterday he was a monster. But the story of the season that he's putting together after he was only able to play 11 games over the last three seasons combined – I don't know that we're talking about it enough, and I get it. There's other guys that have stolen headlines this year. But to me, the Michael Pierce story is as good as just about anything non-Lamar Jackson related that we have seen on this team this season. Yeah, I mean, they ask him to do a lot. They're asking him to play a lot of snaps, um, which for a guy his size is not easy. Um, But he has just been good throughout the year, but yesterday was just dominant he just made life miserable for the the interior offensive linemen um and the cardinals and early on in that game i felt watching it like the ravens run defense was not looking particularly good uh de mercado had a you know a couple of consistently gaining five six yards of carry with the exception of plays that pierce was able to blow up and it felt like early on the cardinals could have really hung around in that game running the ball 
but Michael Pierce just shut it down and then obviously had the big play as a, as a pass rusher as well with the, the sack and forced fumble. Two guys who had interceptions yesterday, and I want to talk about them more broadly, right? Because sometimes an interception is, like yesterday I thought the Dobbs was pretty helpful when it came to interceptions. Um, but both Stone and Stevens, uh, to me, have stood out this season. And I just wonder from you, and obviously you guys and your grading system, beyond just the fact that Geno Stone has a bunch of picks this year, how have you felt those two have played on the whole? Because to me, I, I, I really have felt like they've both been exceptional. Geno Stone in particular is one who, coming into the draft uh, back in 2020, we we were a lot higher on them than a mm. lot of other places. I think, and I think that was like the athletic profile. I think people didn't love um, the athleticism, but he was a really good player at Iowa. knew how to find the the football, knew how to make plays, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's also he just doesn't make a ton of mistakes as well. I think we saw when when Marcus Williams came back and clearly playing effectively with one arm, right just wasn't particularly good and not able to make tackles and things like that. Geno Stone doesn't make a lot of mistakes and is just finding the football. And then Stevens has been such a a little bit of a lucky find for the Ravens this season because in August, before Marlon Humphrey got hurt, it was going to be Marlon Humphrey and Rocky Asin as the outside guys. You know, they figure out inside. Marlon Humphrey got hurt and all of a sudden they, they made sure to keep Stevens outside cornerback instead of trying him at safety. They bring in Ronald Darby. And all of a sudden, they're now a team that had a position that looked like it could be one injury away from being a huge concern. We're midway through the season, and they are four good starting NFL players deep outside cornerback. It's crazy, right? Like it's it really is. I keep I always forget the story that they're moving him to safety, right? Like what a <laughs> what a turn of events this has been, uh, because he's been so good. Gordon, I feel like whenever we have these conversations, we, we, we've almost gotten used to it now with Roquan Smith, who, who made the incredible play on fourth down yesterday. But like when he arrived last year, we were so enamored with what we were seeing. And the defense changed so quickly that every week we were having a Roquan Smith conversation and we were prepared for the Ravens to invest an absurd amount of money in inside linebacker when everybody else in the league is like, you can't spend that much money on inside line or an off-ball linebacker. We're like, yo, wa- watch how this ca- everything changed when this guy showed up and tell us you can't spend that type of money on an off-ball linebacker. But I almost feel like we've almost gotten used to it, like that we, 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 we've kind of forgotten how high-level and how otherworldly he's been because we've gotten used to it at this point. We're used to the entire defense being this much better. And I almost feel like we're kind of missing the fact that each week Roquan Smith continues to be such an unbelievably dominant wrecking force on the field. Yeah, and I mean, there's two or three plays at least every single week whereby he makes a play. And sometimes it's sometimes it's a pass breakup, you know, sometimes it's a it's a pass rush, something like that. Other times it's something simple like a, a tackle for a three-yard gain whereby you see his processing skills and understanding to go under or over a block and all those little things. Um, And I think just having that type of player has allowed Mike McDonald to just elevate the whole defense. And they don't really have a lot of weaknesses. They don't really have any weak link on defense right now. Like not to say the entire team is loaded, but they don't have a lot of players who make mistakes. Yeah, it's a nice boy. It's a it's a nice thing when we were, I think, a lot of us in the off season wondering if maybe this was the year where the defense might take a little bit of a step back. Nope, they have been even better. Uh, it's been wild. All right, uh, Gordon McGinnis, Pro Football Focus, with us here on GCR. 
Gordon, all of this being said, we know what week it is, and we know what the conversation is ahead of tomorrow's trade deadline. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on – I'll start there before we get to running back. As, as much as we're enamored with what the Ravens have done defensively, yesterday a little bit more of a quiet day from Clowney and Van Noy, I, I still find myself, even with a team that has 31 sacks on the year, thinking I feel like you could use one more ass kicker, one more guy who you don't have to scheme pressure out of. They can just go win. And maybe at some point this season, Ajabo gets back onto the field and he can help with that. But I don't know that I can be counting on that right now. Where are you at? Like, when I see Montez Sweat, the only offer that was on the table was a third rounder for the Atlanta Falcons. Like, I, I think I screamed. I was out at a pumpkin patch with my kids yesterday. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Where are you with the idea of another edge rusher maybe being, like, one final piece for this team I, I think you're right the and this has been an issue for the Ravens now for a number of years they are in a position whereby they are good at scheming up pressure but they have to be good at scheming up pressure because right. they don't have that guy and they've taken swings I think Odafi Owe is playing better than he ever has this year and that's great but they still haven't found an out and out stud and if you can go and get a Montez Sweat, a Chase Young, a, a Daniil Hunter from the Minnesota Vikings, who very possibly are in a, a trading mode now after the Kirk Cousins injury, you know, Montez Sweat, if you can if you can get that for a deal similar to the Rashan Gary deal that's just been signed, where it's not top of the market right. for an edge defender, that's pretty good. But even just Daniil Hunter on a on a half season um rental effectively is the type of move that can put them over the edge. I, I it's so funny you say that, man, because like I keep saying this to the people. I would be in favor. You acquire Montez Sweat, I'm in favor of signing him long term. But at the right price, this was the same conversation we had about Roquan Smith a year ago. Like I I hope that they re sign Roquan Smith. But if the worst case is they swap back from a second round pick to a third round pick in the compensatory formula, I'll live with that for a team that again before Lamar Jackson got hurt, you believed had a chance. And I feel almost the exact same way this year like I'll live with the idea of if you end up having to pay a second round price something like that for someone that's likely to get you a third round compensatory pick I'll be okay with taking the swing right like I'll always be okay with making that type of move I I also think it's do you get the value there whereby you either find a guy that you can sign long term or you know you're getting something back in return but I used to be and this obviously comes from PFF, we're thinking of value and things like that. Sure. Against the idea of giving up assets for a player, unless you know, you know, he's going to be an absolute stud for you. The way I've started to look at it now, though, is especially with these trade deadline moves, is are you in the hunt and can you find a player that in the playoffs creates a little bit of extra variance with one play? Um, and I think that's what the Roquan Smith move was last year. Obviously, the Lamar, Lamar injury kind of ruined the season, but you had a player who can make one or two plays. And against Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen in the playoffs, you might just need one sack fumble. You right. might just need one tip pass, all those right. things. So I think that's why I would probably be aggressive at the trade deadline. I, I, I always think about, as much as we know for years the Ravens are trying to build outside in with their defense, and I get it. To, I think to build, and to your point with what you guys are doing at PFF, to build a statistical, a, a good analytical type of defense, I think you need to be strong that way. But, you know, the most important defensive play the Ravens have ever made against the Chiefs in the Pat Mahomes era was up front. It was Adafi Owe at the end of a football game 
coming in and wrecking shop. And it just feels like when you're going to be looking at a murderer's row of quarterbacks and offenses in the AFC playoffs and look around, it's all panning out the way that we thought it might before the season began. I, I just feel like the only way you can really beat those teams when all the chips are down is to have that guy go be disruptive and get someone behind the sticks or get a turnover late in the game. If anything, the AFC looks even stronger. I think, right. Than, than we thought it might with Jacksonville, Miami have, have taken steps forward, um, all those things. So yeah, if you can, if you can find a player who makes that one play um, and realistically, that's probably what's going to happen in the AFC playoffs this year. Like, you're going to need to be good, but you're also going to need to be lucky in the sense that the ball's probably going to have to bounce your way because winning three games against the teams that are going to be in in the AFC playoffs or two games if you're lucky enough to be the one seed, it's just not going to be an easy task at all. Uh, Gordon, where are you at with the running back conversation? Because I, I will tell you, look, if Saquon Barkley was on the market, and I know that we are to understand he's not, same thing with Derrick Henry, but let's just continue because it's subterfuge season. If he were to be on the market, I would say yes, right? Like that that brings a level of dynamicism to your offense that I, I can't put into words. I think that I would still be in favor of Henry, but it's not quite as obvious to me. I do get it. Like I think if he was behind a different offensive line and teams weren't able to, to stack the box the, the way that they have been able to, that maybe that things would open up for him. I, I don't know behind any of those guys how significant I feel the need is. Like I don't know – how much you're upgraded by a Zach Moss. Where are you at with the entire running back conversation? I think right now, if you could guarantee me that the Ravens go through the rest of the season and Gus Edwards stays fully healthy, Justice Hill stays fully healthy, yeah. and you get a little bit from Keaton Mitchell, I'm fine with the group as it is. It's the NFL, though, and realistically, that's probably not going to be the case. So if you look at it in, in two sides of things, Zach Moss, I think, would be a nice kind of complete that running back room give you a little bit of security in case of any injuries. The Derrick Henry um, interesting thing for me is if you get to the playoffs, you get to December and it's cold. The idea of being an NFL linebacker and you're faced with Lamar Jackson might keep the ball and sprint out. Mm. He might pass the ball or they might just turn and hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. Who's going to run right at me. That's just not, that just doesn't sound like fun for an NFL linebacker. <laughs> right. And I, I do think there's an element there whereby they could cause some havoc. That's fair. No, I mean, that's that's completely fair. That does kind of sound like hell at that point. And I'm I'm not, again, I'm not opposed to it, right? I'm not saying no. I just, I don't, I don't know that I feel the need is as strong at that, at that spot. Again, if the right, I, I think what you said about Zach Moss is well said. And obviously the fact that Gus Edwards has had some injury history and this is the running back position in the NFL, I, I will absolutely listen to that. And certainly assuming that it's a smaller price. Is there anywhere else that, that maybe people aren't talking about as much that you would say, I, I would still be inclined to listen or I would still be interested in what might be available before tomorrow's deadline? The, the other interesting one, and I think John Simpson has played a lot better the last two weeks. And we agree. If you could get a left guard, mm. uh, Michael Owenu for the from the Patriots, the guy who potentially could be available, isn't playing as well this year, but he's played well um, in the past. I Simpson is the one guy on that offensive line who I worry about being a weak link in the playoffs. I think the rest of that offensive line, while Stanley is not as good as he used to be, he's you know a solid enough starting left tackle at this point. Tyler Linderbaum's probably a top five center in football now. Kevin Zeitler, I think, perfectly good. Morgan Moses, the same. Simpson at left guard is the one thing whereby I get a little bit worried. And I think, you know, if you can make an upgrade there, 
it maybe just shores up that last part of the offensive line. You obviously you watch a little bit more closely than I do. To me, and I we actually literally had this conversation about John Simpson. It, does it feel like he's better in pass pro than he is in bulldozing in road grading? Like it felt like a week ago. He was really strong in pass protection um, against the Lions. I did think he looked pretty good and maybe a little bit better in, in run blocking yesterday, but how how is he really broken down? Yeah, I think it's almost probably rather than one or the other um, in terms of pass blocking or run blocking, it's more like the inconsistency, I think, with him. He, he has the capability of being a good, solid blocker, but there's just some reps whereby he can't get his footwork and his hands to work at the same time. So he's trying to make a block with his, with his arms, with his hands, but he can't get his footwork right. And he winds up falling to the, falling to the ground. Um, but I do think the last couple of weeks um, he has taken, has taken that step forward. And, you know, maybe that, maybe that is all he's needed. All right. Before I let you go, Gordon, I want to have this just short conversation with you because I, I tweeted something yesterday. And people got worked up about it and I think they completely missed the context of it. When we talk about Justin Tucker, I am aware that two of his 50-plus yard misses this year were from 59 and 61 yards, right? Like, I'm aware that that's, it's absurd to judge a kicker on that. But twofold, I'm judging Justin Tucker, not your average kicker. And then two, I would think that an indoor kick of 53 yards would be something that you assume any kicker in the NFL should be making, more or less Justin Tucker. So when we have the Justin Tucker conversation, I'm by no means suggesting he's suddenly bad or untrustworthy or anything along those lines. But the standard that we have held Justin Tucker to is the greatest weapon or most unique weapon in NFL history at that position. And should we at least be thinking about whether or not maybe that standard is no longer where we are when it comes to Justin Tucker. Right. I think it's, it's an interesting conversation between if you're, if you're comparing him to every other kicker in the NFL, I don't think you get too concerned. Right. The, the 53 yarder that was missed is by, by anyone's standards, it's a, it's a kick that most NFL kickers would think they can make. Um, and I think, you know, he's just, he's just drifted it a little bit. But the other, the longer kicks are the type of kicks that he previously has made in the past. And I think even if Justin, if it's 90% of Justin Tucker, he's still the best kicker in the NFL. But 90% of Justin Tucker is still a regression from right. the guy who's been, who almost definitely will be a Hall of Fame kicker, I think, when all, all said and done. No, I think that's exactly the right way of saying it. And again, I, I don't I don't know that we declare it. You know, Justin Tucker missed an extra point a couple years ago that was pretty big against the Saints, right? It's not like he's never had an eye-opening moment before, and he could very well go right back to being, next week he could make a 70-yarder, and we could all sit here and say, all right, well, there we go, we're, we're idiots. Um, but it's just something that I think that we've been noticing this season, and we'll continue to monitor it as the season goes on. Uh, Gordon McGinnis, man, what can I plug for you? Obviously, everybody finds you at PFF, but give me the whole rundown. Yeah, you'll find uh, anything I write. Um, I write a weekly Ravens piece on PFF.com. Uh, you'll also find me on Twitter slash X, whatever we're calling it these no, days. Uh, I'm, I'm sticking with Twitter. I, I tried. Yeah, for, I I'm tried, good with that. Like for a minute, dude, I was like, all right, maybe I'll play along. I even did a bit for a little. I was like the <laughs> website formerly known as Twitter. F that. I mean, it's it's Twitter. It, this is a yeah. you know, mama called him Twitter. I'm going to call him Twitter type of situation that we're dealing with. Yep. 
Exactly. So you'll find me there, uh, PFF underscore Gordon. Uh, Gordon, this was great, man. Would love to do this again here um, as we continue along this during the season. Always appreciate you and uh, the resources that you guys provide. Thank you for hopping on with me this morning. Really appreciate it. It's... Not at all. Thanks for having me. Gordon McGinnis from out in Scotland. Appreciate him uh, spending some time with us this morning. I, again, I I understand that in the world of Twitter, we have I've talked about this before. I have to give all the credit to my friend Chad Dukes, um, who said that, that society, it's not just Twitter, but society has become goat versus trash. That's all we have. All you can say is someone is either literally the greatest of all time or utter garbage. And yeah. it strips away all ability for nuance and context and subtlety and having a conversation about something. So when I shared out yesterday that Justin Tucker was one for four from beyond 50 yards this season, the aftermath of missing a kick, all of a sudden it's knives out, right? Like it's what's his face doing that weird accent? Why am I blanking on who that is? Oh, uh, uh, Daniel Craig. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Why was I struggling on Daniel Craig? It's Daniel Craig doing his weird accent. It's the whole thing, right? Like I, I, I'm, I'm like, what is settle the f down? And we talked about it after the game. Benoit Blanc. Was Thank you. Thank you. It's a great movie. What a great film Knives Out was. Um, we're talking about it after the game on the postgame show, and our friend Andrew Stecka, who was out at the game, said, like, it, he just, he said, I'm, it's a watch list thing for me. It's not a, I'm not making any declarative statement at the moment. It's a, huh, that's interesting type of deal. And again, we know the footing wasn't great in Arizona yesterday, so maybe the 53-yard miss has something to do with the footing in Arizona, right? Like, maybe that, because to me, that's the first one that you say, that's kind of a shameful miss. The others, again, you want Justin Tucker to make them because he's Justin Tucker, and we've said for forever, you know, 63 yards and in, just go ahead and put the points on the board. But that one yesterday was the first one that you said, any NFL kicker, indoors no weather factors whatsoever should nail any nfl kicker should be expected not just want to should be expected to make a 53 yard indoor kick that was the first one that you're like this is bad now again we all saw the same thing i don't know what the hell happened in arizona femi was telling me after the game he's like dude arizona used to be known for having great turf since like, that the was, super bowl that was the whole deal like, yeah yeah, it's oh my god, I had forgotten about yeah. the Super Bowl. Oh, it was atrocious. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if it's climate change because they've been rolling the field in. Like I, I don't know what's going on in Arizona, but the field has been awful. I say that like I've been watching every Arizona game for God's sakes. I've watched two games. I mean, but it, um, yeah, but like, so maybe that had something to do with it. And I don't know if anybody talked to Justin Tucker after the game to get an answer about that. Um, but maybe that had something to do with it. I'm not saying, again, when, when we do this, it's goat or trash. Uh, our friend Spencer Schultz was getting really defensive about Justin Tucker on Twitter. I'm like, bro, there is room between these two things. No, there's not. There's, in fact, all kinds of room. It's either the greatest the, or he's cut. That's, that's, that's who we are as a society. That's what we've become. You can only say this is the greatest of all time or they should be slaughtered. They should be executed on the spot. <sighs> By the way, I almost suggested for you after you left Shorzy off of your uh, tubular rundown over the weekend. Slaughtered. Just executed right on the spot. 
And then I remember that if we put that on Twitter, we might get dinged because I got, I, 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 I shared a story. I was, I went to New York for the WrestleMania a couple years ago, and at the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, because it's like a threat. This is like that's why. What? Well, okay. It, 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 they just, they don't, they don't. There's no context for it. Okay. They take it that way. So I'm telling the story. Um, there was a guy that, like, a maniac that ran into the ring when Bret Hart was speaking at the WWE Hall of Fame and tackled Bret Hart. And on the subway, on the way to whatever we were going to afterwards, we bumped into a drunken Irishman who was like, does somebody really go after Bret Hart? Anyone who goes after Bret Hart should be executed. And I shared that on Twitter like a year ago because like I always think about it whenever I see <laughs> Bret Hart anywhere. And Twitter suspended me for 24 hours. Wow. Just because of the word executed. So I was like, let me see. Well, now I'm afraid to search execute. Yeah, I do. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, and then so on Friday, I was doing a bit where I was putting up a poll, and it was up for a minute. And then I was like, "Oh f," and I pulled it back down because it included uh, no fired, arrested, executed were the three oh, okay. options. Oh, okay. So I saw. The, so poll. I. I didn't even yeah. see that one. Yeah. So I got rid of that one <laughs> because I didn't want us to. Not because I didn't think it was reasonable. Yeah, I thought I thought you felt like yeah, you know what? Yeah, it was over. Nah, no, nah, I still felt it was reasonable. I just didn't want us to lose. Our, I was I was concerned about the things that mattered, Griffin, like right, us yeah. lo- losing access to Twitter for twenty four hours. I didn't want that at all. Um, but I w- it was shameful your performance of leaving Shorzy out of the recap of uh, uh, well, I, it was on there. Yes, yeah, you br- you were talking about a stupid. By the way, I saw trailers for whatever that movie, The Pain Lovers or whatever. Oh, the Pain hell it's Hustlers. Called. Pain Hustlers. Yes. I, I can't. Fi- I can't figure what that thing is. It's rated R. Yeah, so it should be good, I guess. I guess. There was thought put into it. I'm not really sure still what that's supposed to be. Emily Blunt. Great. What is it? Still confused by it. So I'm not saying that Justin Tucker should be kicked off the team or that I don't trust him or anything along those lines. It's what I'm saying is the thought has been that Justin Tucker is the the single greatest. We have put him up here. We've had this end of the conversation. And so maybe... Not we're not going from a here. I don't know if anybody can see this on camera. I'm not saying we're going from ten to one. The suggestion would be that we're really going from like ten to nine. Ten to eight and a half. Which is still very good, but it ain't ten. It isn't untouchable standard. That's the conversation that I'm trying to have. But again, I get it. It's Twitter. All we can do is anoint them, make them king of everything. Let them have let their opinions be the one that matter when it comes to how we make our policy decisions, or send them to the pits of hell. That's the only thing we have. We have no ability to have con- uh, conversation and context between those things. But Griffin still probably should be executed. I mean, no big buddy. It's I love you just because of the shorty thing. I'm not rooting for it. I'm just saying that it might be deserved. That's all. You know what I mean? Like I don't want you to be executed. I just want you to do your job. All right, so okay. today's show. Learning. Today's show also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Stan and Ross Grimsley back this afternoon for the next Monday baseball show, facebook.com slash Sports. If you miss it live, youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross Luke off this week, but he'll be back with them next week. When we come back in, our friend Jeremy Kahn, he joins us next. Glenn Clark Radio. 
Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of Press Box and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 17th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports and AJ Michaels. And if you or a loved one have a gambling problem, visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Costas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasInn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas us in at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. The Orioles brought us a summer we'll never forget in 2023, securing their first division title in nine years. And while the playoffs ended quicker than we had hoped in Birdland, the future is brighter than ever. I'm Paul Valley, and along with Zach Goodman, we'll be with you on the bat around all offseason, warming our hands by the hot stove. From the GM meetings to the winter meetings to the start of spring training, the bat around has you covered for every trade, signing, and transaction as the Orioles look to revamp and regroup for another postseason run. You can watch the show every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at YouTube dot com slash pressbox online or facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio so tune into the bat around every saturday right here at pressbox what company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses allergens and bacteria aj michaels heating and air conditioning in baltimore and annapolis ajmichaels.com The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. 
Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. Uh, did you see uh, Proctor call you out? It's, uh, yes, I did. Deserved, I pal. Deserved. I, you back know. on September 17th. I'll be back. Griffin be was back. in first place and tweeted, Get used to seeing this, boys. He's Long season. I'll be back. He's currently in 11th place. 11th. Out of 12. Yeah, I understand. Or no. The 10th uh, out of 11. Yeah, whatever sorry, it is. Yeah. Is that what it is? 10 out of 11? 10 out of 11. Yeah. Yeah. We did not get used to it, for the record. We went ahead and, and didn't do that. It's the way that I would describe it. Back in here on uh, GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Today's show also brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. On the cover, Todd Karpovich talks about the uh, survivors story about the position players who were uh, part of the Dan Duquette regime who stayed through some dark times to become uh, significant contributors as the Orioles turn things around. Go get that print issue of Press Box right now at your neighborhood at Royal Farms. It is Monday, and that means that we chat with our friend, of course, ConcreteLocks.com, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. He is our buddy Jeremy Kahn, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, pal? How are you? What's up, man? How are things? All right, so I, I want to have uh, as much as as much as you and I are capable of it. I want to have an adult conversation about Halloween. All right. Okay. When was the like? Do you still like go out at all? Like, do you care? Do you do you put on a costume? When was the last like time that you put effort into these things? Yeah, the weird thing is, I think if I actually put effort in, I'd be good at this, like right. the Halloween stuff. But I never do. Like, I just get inherently really lazy and wait to the last minute and then go pick up some crappy costume. Every once in a while, I'll come up with something or find something online. But, yeah, I usually go to, like, one Halloween party. I missed it this year and last year. Um, but, like, you know, the whole dressing up thing, I, I guess I kind of grew out of it. It doesn't mean much to me. Some people really love it, which I think is cool because then they, they come up with all these great ideas. But for me, it's just kind of just another holiday. I had some bangers over the years. Like I did the Lieutenant Dangle thing, um, mm-hmm. which was which was questionable. But I was young, and you know, I was in the right uh, right right circumstances that it worked. I did uh, Lil Wayne one year, not with blackface. I want to make that abundantly clear. I did. I mean, I had some good ones over the years, but I realized to me, I think it's completely related to the kids coming along. Like I haven't even gone out. Like we take the kids trick or treating. We take them trunk or treating. I haven't even gone to a party and I know part of that is my work schedule but like I'm totally I, Mrs. Clark and I somewhere in September will be like oh do we want to do like a fun costume this year and we talked about being like Mojo Dojo Barbie and Ken this year like we talked about the whole thing and then mm-hmm. just utterly forgot and then like on Saturday we woke up and we were like oh weren't we going to try to do something for Halloween this year and nothing absolutely zip zilch and I can't re- I don't know if that's normal like, if that's just, hey, man, that's the way that it goes, you get a little bit older, and it's just not the same thing, or if it's because I'm sad and I'm pathetic and Halloween's awesome and I should care more and, and put in a better effort. Yeah, the, well, one of the years my uh, one of my buddies and I, we were growing out, uh, this is before I'd actually grown out the beard, but we were talking about doing 
um, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday, oh, and he would be the perfect Wyatt Earp with his hair and, and the way that his beard grows. And I think I could pull off the Doc Holliday because uh, I'm a degenerate drunk that uh, has pasty pale skin. So right. I thought it could work. They nailed it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but we never, we never followed through with it. And then one of my favorite costumes, my buddy figured out with his printer how to print up people's faces. So he would come to the Halloween every single year as somebody else at the party. So the one year he came as me. Um, and he had printed up my face. And as long as you put on cargo shorts and a hoodie, it was me. All right. So where is the line on the other end? When when you're younger, Halloween, of course, is the greatest night of the year because, you know, like every young woman you come across is like a sexy version of something. And you're like, yes, we should do this more frequently. But I realized like a couple years ago, I don't remember what it was, but I think it was in Towson on a night around Halloween, and I started looking around, and I'm like, I-, I felt like I was a father. Like, I felt like I was no longer able to enjoy the um, the-, the scenery, the aspects of that. And instead, I was like, oh, no, 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 you all are going to make terrible decisions. Wh- where, like, how have you, do you still are like, nope, nope, I still very much enjoy Halloween. Like, it's a good thing. I, wa- I want more of it. Or do you have any of those feelings any longer? Well, like, I love watching other people dress up. I mean, look, let me just say this, though, because when everybody starts getting into, why don't you be a sexy this? Right. If you're good looking, you're going to be a sexy anything. That like, is true. And I, That's a good point. probably a terrible thing to say, but if you wanted to dress up as a Nazi, you'd probably be a sexy Nazi. You know, like, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter what you dress up as, you're going to be sexy inherently. So, like, um, yeah, I do like looking and seeing what other people are dressing up. So let me throw a question back at you. Yes. Do you like the, the people that are, there, there's a fine line, very forward thinkers, or just lazy costumes. You know what I mean? Like, right, um, right. Trying, to, no, no, trying I, to use an example, like some people wear a suit or a baseball jersey and say, I'm that guy or whatever. It looks like in kind no, of no, an no, easy it's, cop it's out. embarrassing. No, that's embarrassing when you do that. Like when somebody is like, oh, I'm a Steelers fan. Like, get, no, get the entire F out of here. I'm, I'm TJ Watt for Halloween. If you're a child, like, don't get me wrong. I remember like my mother seeking out a blank Orioles jersey so she could sew Mike Devereaux's name on the back of it so that I could be Mike Devereaux for Halloween as a kid. <laughs> That's a thing that occurred because I was a child. Like, if you're a child doing that, it's fine. If you're a grown adult, you're not wearing a costume. You just put on a jersey. Like, get the entire F out of here. Whereas the guy and the girl that did the Randy Johnson dead bird thing that was floating around Beautiful. social media, that I, I wanted to stand up and cheer in my own home, and I don't know who those people are. Because it was, How about the little kid that dressed up as Mike McDaniel? That was, that was oh, awesome. wonderful. They did the thing where he was running, and they showed the video. Yeah. Oh, it was a ten and a half. That was marvelous. And I'm pretty sure that's where the, the baby Andy Reid started a few years ago. Like Those things are outstanding. No, when you very clearly are lazying your way out of it, and I've done it, right? Like We had to do, when I was working with Bradley and Nikki Bozeman when they were in town, and I forgot one year that they were doing their Halloween party, and that... Margaret and I had not come up with costumes. We were like, oh, piss. And we just ran to Party City, and we just got a priest and a nun costume. No, embarrassing. But to the layer that you're talking about, where someone very clearly is just going, like when, when there's thought involved at all, when there's any amount of thought involved, ten and a half. You're like, this is, this is awesome. This is the point of this day. When it's just grab whatever you have lying around, put on what you click. One year when I was uh, when I was a drunker man, I absolutely did the uh, Justin Timberlake dick in a box. I just put a suit on and I just put I, I grabbed a, a box and wrapped it up like a Christmas present and wrapped yeah. it around my belt. And people thought it was clever. People thought it was creative. It was something I came up with in five minutes. In five. Oh, minutes, that's the gift I, you gave me that year. That is the gift. 
Yeah. I, you always know all the steps. It's, it's amazing how you've always remembered all the steps in appropriate order. You're but, like, <laughs> well, let me throw this one at you because I thought this was kind of cool, but it was also cheap. There were a group of like five friends that all wore shirts that had a day of the week on it. And yeah. it was you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then they had blood on the shirt and a shark fin on the back. And they were shark week shark together. Shark week. All right. That's not Doesn't nothing. cost a lot. But like you're thinking. That's not so, nothing. I'll, I'll give it that. Did okay. you see our friend uh, Phil Walls and what his family did? Um, did they do the Barbie thing? No, they did the velour suits that the Orioles wore. Yes. Um, yeah, I did see which that. Which was right. just a ten and a half. That was perfection. That's how you do Halloween. That's the way that you get it right. Yeah, our producer Joe did Dr. Evil, which was awesome. But the only problem is now he's got to look like Dr. Evil until his hair grows back. Oh, so. he – oh, that's rough. I'll send you the picture if you want to see it. It's great. It's bold, though. It's bold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to see it. Uh, uh, Caleb from the radio station and, and his uh, young lady, they did uh, Gomez and Morticia, and they pulled, it oh, off. I like it. they pulled it off quite nicely. They did that very well. I, I appreciated that. All right. Um, before we get into the, the Ravens, where how are you feeling like today about the World Series? Because I genuinely have no idea how this is about to go, but I am starting to lead towards Arizona. I, I think Arizona's going to win the World Series, and I can't believe I'm saying this. Right. Um, I, I think they win the night. I think they knock – Max Scherzer should not be pitching, period. Like, I, I don't care what anybody says. Like, he does not look good. The metrics say he's not good. On occasion, he'll still get a strikeout. He's given up a lot of hard contact. And with all that room in Arizona and the effect that that place can have on pitchers, I just think this is uh, take him out behind the woodshed tonight. And I, I just think they score a ton of runs off of Max Scherzer, off that bullpen. Um, that's what I'm expecting this evening. And Brandon Fott's been great, uh, but we shall see. That Texas lineup's pretty good, too. So I asked this of a couple people last week, and I got various answers because I, I think some people just don't understand what I'm saying. Is it a good thing that we think that an 84-win te- team is about to win the World Series? Is that is that a good thing for baseball? Because the easy thing to say is, yeah, it makes everybody believe they have a chance. But, like, you're playing a no. 162-game regular season. It is the most burdensome regular season almost every other city is checked out a month ahead of time. Is it a good thing that we believe that an 84-win team is about to win a World Series? I don't think so, and I don't think it's a good thing if Texas wins either. So, But we're stuck here because Texas did the obvious thing of throwing money at the problem two years ago, throwing more money at the problem, pitching gets hurt, then even throwing more money at the problem and trading away pieces to try to get better. Inherently, like we, we look at the situation, it works out. They're in the World Series, and they're the favorites, but I mean, I think that business model is terrible and teams that do it, I think it's stupid. And then with Arizona, you know, they're a little bit, they're not quite the Orioles as far as the rebuild went, because remember they were still, I mean, they just cut Madison Bumgarner this year. That was a terrible contract that they spent on. Zach Grinke was a terrible contract they spent on. They've drafted right. They've gotten a little lucky. They still still have Evan Longoria, for example, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, look at, look at who's on the team. It's a, Outside of like four everyday players and Christian Walker's an everyday player for them, like there's it's just a bunch of let's flip this guy, that guy. And I shouldn't say, you know, there's more than four everyday players, but like they could definitely play the platoon switch with a lot of guys on that team. And, and, and often they do because their manager is very analytical. But um, but no, I don't think either one of like if the Orioles won this year, I don't know that that's great for baseball just yet having the second lowest payroll. Because ultimately, baseball needs a salary cap, but they're never going to have one. You bring up the Rangers thing. Jeremy Kahn is with us here on 105.7 The Fan. No, we're not on 105.7 The Fan. We're Glenn Clark Radio. He's from 105.7 The Fan. I am so sick of doing all these shows. I butchered it last week on the radio show. I said, you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. I can't. I got I to gotta <laughs> stop this. I'm working too much. 
Um, and I'm too old. I'm way too old. <laughs> so, oh man, I have no idea where I'm at half the time. Right, anyway. Jeremy, I had I had this moment where I saw all of these Astros fans who were like, "Oh, you just bought your," and I'm like, "And what you just said, I, I'm not telling that I'm embracing it. Like, I don't find the Rangers to be likable, or I'm rooting for them." But I'm never going to be bothered by a baseball team spending money. I just never. I, no, I, no, hear me out on what I'm saying, though. Okay. Like, there's, I, trust me, I love the fact that the, the Rangers organization was willing to spend that money. I just think it's a bad look when this type of business works out. Like, you just can't throw money at a problem and have it work out. But ironically, this year on a team in Texas that had more streaks than anyone else, winning and losing, right. um, and ultimately their bullpen shot and their farm system, they're going to need help there eventually. I just think even if they sell out and they win, hats off to you. You got what you wanted, but I don't know that they're going to have the staying power they want. So, but I, I just think it's bad for baseball and it's bad for any sport teams that just take money and throw it at the problem and think it's going to fix it. Because inherent, you, you you have to have some sort of not necessarily a farm system, but you have to be able to draft and develop players in any sport. I agree with that. I do agree with that inherently. I just you know th- this is the way this is the system that exists. It allows for this to occur, and if you want to take advantage of it. I, what I think I would agree with is that we all believe there could be a better system for baseball and that this isn't helpful on the whole, although, you know, here we are. It's a Texas-Arizona World Series. It's not the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and, the, you know, like— But outside of Preparation H, what is helpful on the whole? That's a great point, you know? right? Like, that is a yeah. really, really good point, Jeremy. Sometimes— Thanks. Yeah, I, need you for, yeah. I need you for this every now and then. Every now hey, have and then. you seen that new movie, uh, Constipation? No. <laughs> I haven't. Go ahead. It hasn't come out yet. Hey! So. Oh! Sorry. That's what I miss. That's what I miss, man. Like, whenever I talk about what it is that I appreciate most about you, like, <laughs> the rest of us are just not thinking on our feet at the same level. We're just not there. We're not... No, it's just that my mind goes there. Like, I literally... I got so high the other day, I watched two hours of videos with a guy with a fake farting machine, and I thought I was going to have a heart attack laughing so hard. Like I'm pretty sure that I'll be 90 years old and somebody will fart and I'll still laugh. I don't like it's just that. I'm not gonna. That's it's gonna be funny. Like except except when it's you and you just realize that your insides came out, right? Like yeah. then it's not going to be funny. You're gonna be dealing with that in a different way. But uh, oh god, I don't want to say anything here. M- Mrs. Clark asked me about a something medically that she was like, "Hey, what do you think that is?" And I was like, "I don't know." You like. I guess we should ask our friends. And she was like, do you mm-hmm. think we should talk to our friends about this? And I was well, like, oh, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. But are we all that age now that we can all talk about something? I, Jeremy, oh, God. You know what? We're just going to get real for a second. I, like, two years ago started noticing how many drips after I peed. Oh, you're talking. Look, you're preaching to the choir here I, because I miss her shake it shake it like a Polaroid picture, and then Jer- I'm playing Jer- with it. There so. is no number. Remember when Good Charlotte said, shake it once, that's fine, shake it twice, that's okay, shake it three times, you're playing with yourself? I've been yeah. playing with myself for, like, hours because I'm shaking maybe 50 times afterwards, and still I look down, and there might be one more drip that shows up in my boxers. Like, it's that bad. But I just sort of thought that was my own shame, so I never discussed it, right? So then I'm out with the boys a couple weeks ago, and it comes up in conversation, and I realize everyone my age is dealing with the exact same thing. Every single one of us is having the drip conversation. And then I'm like, wow, why did I think I couldn't just openly discuss this? Like, why couldn't I just say, we're all men of a certain age. Let's have a conversation about it. 
I get the same problems. Like, so, like, my, my prostate's the size of a 70-year-old. I got a grapefruit basically up my rear end. Hey, and hey. I, now love, every time, I, I want you to know I think your prostate's beautiful, my friend. I love thank your Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, here's the weird thing is that now I'm taking Propecia. That's what I was prescribed to help my prostate shrink. But now my butthole's hairier than it's ever been. And I'm just growing hair every... No, I'm kidding. So, they, it's... I'm not kidding, but you know it's 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 just probably a little bit too much for everyone out there. But yeah, I got all this hair on my shoulders now, and I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is going on with me? I'm falling apart, man. Oh so man, so it's not fun. I definitely have noticed that my nose hairs are a little bit out of control. I've never. My wife hates it because I pluck mine because I, I hate coming. I'm at the point so I, like, where just I just yank them out of my face. I can't believe it. This is the type of stuff that like you you make. The the the, ra- the rapid what's the uh, rapidity rapidness I don't know what I'm looking for what's the 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 noun repetitive no ra- uh, rapid what's the noun form of rapid ra- rapid rapidity no that's an adverb it's just rapidness ra- <laughs> rapidness I don't know is it rapid it might be rapidness the rapidness by which you go from making fun of people for these things to immediately realizing you're dealing with the exact same things and it was always going to happen and like your old man was smirking at you whenever you made fun of him because he was like brother you're you know give it two years i say this all the time like but i feel like and i'm not trying to have my own little ted talk here but we as men don't talk about the things in everyday life like when we were kids if you talked about masturbation or whatever oh my god i can't you know it it became something goofy and it turns out you you end up getting older you're like hold on everybody's doing this wait a minute you you do this more than you brush your teeth like yeah like these things happen yes and like Stuff with health, stuff with, you know, even erectile dysfunction and all these other things that we, we get into, but we don't talk about it. Nope. And even now, it's become now more important with mental health. So, That's why I tried doing like, the- and guys just talking about how they're feeling. This is why I tried doing the podcast about getting snipped, right? Which, of course, you know, bit me in the ass because the world shut down. I was the last guy in the state of Maryland that was allowed to get snipped. I'm like, here, I'm going to encourage everybody else to go get snipped. And then they were like, yep, nobody else can get snipped for a few months. <laughs> I was like, great. Perfect timing. I did this really Glad well. I did all this. Yeah, right? But the idea of the podcast was like, I legitimately didn't know. Like, what's, what is it going to be like? Am I going to be firing blanks for the rest of my life? Like is that is this how this goes? I genuinely don't know. It does it cha- does sex feel different after I get snipped? Like I didn't know the answers to those questions. I I had no idea. And if I don't, I know I'm not the only. I definitely register very high on the list of dumb guys. Hello, Glenn Clark here, mm-hmm. dumb guy. But I know I'm not the only dumb guy that exists. So clearly there had to be other people that were feeling the exact same thing. So I'm like, let's do a podcast about it. Let's try to do everything we can to inform people about what this is all about. Um, because well, what you said is completely true. Yeah, and, and like, again, not, I'm not even trying to be funny here. So, like, I posted something over the weekend about, basically about depression and how it works out. And, you know, like, uh, all these people started chiming back in about, like, they're going through the same thing. I had people checking in on me, and I said, that's not what I was looking for. I'm just saying, I post stuff like that. Like, I post a ton of funny stuff to make people laugh. I post other stuff to let people know that, there are other people going through it. Right. And, then, and then I have one guy post on there because I find it really hard to believe that you suffer from depression. You have so many people that love you and this and that. Yeah. you got a great support cast. And I go, I said, man, you're, you're making a mistake on what's the yep. difference between being sad and being depressed. Yep. Like being sad, you can try to get over it by doing things to make you happy. Being depressed, you're trying to find something, anything that'll make you happy. Nope. And there's, a, there's like a big difference in it. So like, you know, I, I do think there's all these important things kind of going back to what we were just saying. Like, some of it's funny, but some of it's serious stuff that we don't talk enough about. Yeah, bro, you ever heard, of, you ever heard of Chris Farley? You know what I mean? Like, it might be not yeah. have been a more beloved human on the face of the planet, man. Like, come on. Yeah. En- enough with that. 
And yes, uh, Daylight Savings Time hits this weekend, and seasonal depression has already been tough for people. Now, there's going to be almost no sunlight, like like next to none. There will be people that won't see the sun at all during the course of the day. Might and be we'll be getting attacked by vampires. And 100%. Like, it's going to be crazy, man. And yeah. in, my life, in my life, Christmas decorations go up in two days. So that's <sighs> how I combat it. And y'all can judge me all you want. But that's how I get. That's how I handle my issues. Is I try to find something that gives me joy, putting up my Christmas decorations so y'all can go. Oh God, with. nothing gives me less joy than yeah, Christmas. Well, you don't want to go with me to see Mariah Carey in December because I'm going. I'm <laughs> going, my friend. That is a thing that's occurring. Uh, I don't know. We didn't talk about the Ravens at all, but there's not a whole lot to say. They won. What do you I want? Mean, to like, what do you? They won on the road. Yeah. They didn't play particularly well. They figured it out in the end. They ran the football. Lamar wasn't hitting checkdowns. You know, there was there were a lot of little things in the game I think you could take away from it, but you got out of the road with a win in a game which you didn't dominate, but like I never thought they were gonna lose really. Nope. They you were know? never I, really a, it was never really a threat. What do you think they should do between now and the deadline? I still think they should add a back unless they're gonna tell us that you know that Mitchell's better than we think and they don't need to add one, but I don't think if they, like, here's my thing. If they don't add a back, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I'm talking about a running back. Um, but, you know, like, you can always add depth. And Eric, Eric DeCosta has done a phenomenal job at the trade deadline of turning, you know, a little bit of something into something great or nothing into something great. Um, so you're kind of hoping that he does something, whether it's another defensive back, a pass rusher, an offensive lineman, whatever you feel like you need to help the depth of this team. And if there's, like, a cannonball into the pool and you want to take a chance, I think this is definitely the year to do it. Um, you know, if there's a Brian Burns that you feel like could change your defense or, you know, whatever, just any player that could change your team. I, I have been on the Montez sweat train. Like the idea that he's the only offer on the table is a third round pick. I'm like, hi, how about, how about a third round pick for a team that has a quarterback? I'm like the Falcons. So I have no idea what they're doing. Um, yeah. And somebody pointed out to me, like, hey, you do that, there's no way you're signing both he and Matabike. And I'm like, well, maybe. These are the types of things that we say, like, like we think we're very smart, right? Like, well, we know that this is impossible. You have no idea if that's possible or not. And, like, it, could they could they sign all of he, Matabike, and Queen? Probably not. Could they sign all of him, Matabike, Queen, and Geno Stone? Probably not. But, like, I don't know that specifically Matabike is the guy that goes if you're going to pay money to Montez Sweat. I also don't know that you have to make a move like this and definitively, you must keep that player around. I'm not opposed to, you know, trading a pick, knowing you're going to get a compensatory pick if it just doesn't work out, or if you want to prioritize re-signing someone else. Like I, I think it's okay sometimes to be aggressive. It's weird because we never talk about the football trade deadline the way that we talk about baseball's trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. And and part of that is the nature of we just always think you can create more prospects in baseball. Like there's like extra players that are lying around. And so we just feel like you can trade them, whereas draft picks, we don't feel the same thing about. But in the compensatory pick system, if it costs you a third-round pick to Montez to get Montez Sweat, you're probably going to get a third-round pick back if you don't sign him. So what are we doing here? Like, you're talking about a half-season of Montez Sweat for either you sign him or, worst-case scenario, you move back 12 picks in the third round? Like... And by the way, how hard has it been for them to find like uh, like a legitimate pass rusher? And I'm Correct. not talking about guys that you rotate in and out, you know. But like having like they don't they don't have a Miles Garrett. And ever since Terrell Suggs, they haven't had that guy. They've had decent players, but they you know they've had um, uh, when you want to look at yeah, it. And, Judon, and Judon, Judon had his minutes. Yep. Yeah, he was good. Zadarius Smith was good. I mean, they're all very good. But 
they always felt like the other, like the number two when you have a tandem pass rusher, right? Like you, you want the Miles Garrett, you want TJ Watt, you want the Bosa brothers, you, you know, you want somebody like that off the edge. And I think a sweat or a chase young can really do that. Um, but, but again, like you're not, it's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. You're not going to be able to afford queen and stone. I think they're walking. But again, you talked about the compensation picks that you get back and things that go on. So I think that's just a big part of how their business model works. That's where I'm at. And that's why I'd be in favor of them still being aggressive up front, despite them having 31 sacks. All right. Um, what's coming up on the show this week? I mean, it'd be a lot of, uh, I think uh, Rob's got to get a colonoscopy. So we'll probably talk a lot about that tomorrow. Yes, you will. Um, oh, yeah. Cause that's going to be fun. The um, colonoscopy itself isn't the big deal. What is he doing the day long clean out or is he doing it all at once tonight? Oh, I don't know. He's. I think he's. Is the chug and the jug still go on, or what? Like, I, I didn't oh, ask they, about that. They the, do it differently. Crap. Jeremy, did I tell you my story? Did I tell you? Like when I was twenty-two or something like that, I had to get a colonoscopy, and mm-hmm. I, there was a Chevelle was playing a free show at Power Plant the night before my colonoscopy, oh, and no. my friends and I were all big Chevelle fans, and so we were not gonna miss the free Chevelle show, so we like concocted my best friend and I concocted this plan where I would drink half of the thing like early the day before and then at like 3 o'clock I would stop go to the show and then no pun intended blow the rest out at night right like yeah. that was the thought process not the way that went yeah that didn't can... work that yeah. didn't work and I was in pure hell hell at a Chevelle show I spent most of it on the toilet. <laughs> most of the evening was spent that way. Yeah, I did the old stepbrothers thing because I was definitely doing it with the door open because in my old house, we had a bathroom right in our living room, like in the corner. So I would just turn the TV and just blow out the O-ring <laughs> right there watching it because, like, it's <laughs> it, was, it was brutal. I had to chug the jug. Not fun. Oh, I look forward to hearing uh, how you guys handle that, the radio level of that conversation. That'll be good. <laughs> Uh, ConcreteLocks.com, C-O-N-N, ConcreteLocks.com. Don't look now in our competition. He's back within 13 games of Griffin trying to get out of the bottom of the table. He could still, if he only makes up one game a week, he has enough time that he could still overtake Griffin and avoid being our loser. So don't look now for that. At Jaycon Sports on Twitter. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next Monday. See you guys. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, ConcreteLocks.com with us here on GCR. All right, when we come back in, we're going to uh, do pats on the ass, then we'll get a tidbit, we'll get two bit to wrap it up for a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org slash hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. 
best and use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership, a press box, and great ace memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, November 7th at Guilford Home Brewery in Station North. It's brought to you by A.J. Michaels, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your Waiver Wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? Speaking of Live casino and hotel you want to tell everybody what's going on there griffin yeah maybe uh you follow my picks but at this point i'm not sure you should Definitely learn your lesson should not be doing you that. should have learned yes. your lesson by now but if for some reason uh you, you were betting the same as me uh, you can go over to the fanduel sportsbook at live casino and hotel maryland where you can turn those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion between now and january 4th 2024 all live casino and hotel maryland rewards members will be able to enter their losing bet slips into the second chance to win drum and two nights a week, 20 different winners will be chosen. Prizes ranging from live casino and hotel Maryland apparel, sports and social, ultimate happy hour, plus cash and free play prizes worth up to $500. Drawings will be held every Thursday and Monday over at the live uh, over at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adirondo Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so far, only seen about eight total guys uh, that have been options for Pats on the Ass today. There have not there has not been a ton of variance in Pats on the Ass. One guy that made my list that didn't make anybody's lists, and I get it because I think most people went with three defensive players, and I, I totally understand why, but I think we're ignoring someone. It's the second time this season this person's made my list. 
Uh, let's get into Pats on the Ass. Pats on the Ass are brought to you this week by... Ooh, this one's brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show, which, of course, returns next Tuesday. What, not tomorrow night. Had to remind our guy Trippy about that. Tomorrow night's Halloween. I know that a lot of people don't have plans and did their Halloween stuff this past weekend. By the way, my my friend uh, Gerard, Gerard, who I love, he works with us at Loyola, Gerard Richardson, great dude. Gerard, we had a soccer match. We had a Patriot League women's soccer match yesterday. And I had taken the kids to the, the, the Gaver Farm in the morning. We had a great time. And then I came back to do the soccer match before the Ravens game. And we get there, and we're talking about fall stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, my girlfriend and I, we we got into the spirit this morning. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I was like, on a Sunday morning? <laughs> like, this is the most aggressive Sunday morning I've ever heard of in my life. Like, imagine waking ready up. ready to go. Like, you know, and, and Gerard's a couple years younger than me. Like, I, I'm like, you went out last night. Like, you're waking up on a Sunday morning, and you're like, let's watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre? What an aggressive way to spend a Sunday morning, man. That is crazy. But a lot of people did their Halloween stuff, their horror movies, their that type of stuff this past weekend. Those of us that have kids, we got to take the kids out trick-or-treating tomorrow night. So we went ahead and decided to bump back this week's Tyus Bowser show. This was pre-planned. You guys have gotten lots of warnings about it. Don't show up at Guilford Hall Brewery tomorrow night because you'll be by yourself. It's just going to be you. Well, I mean, yeah, the people that would be at... You wouldn't be there with Tyus Bowser and Rita and I and a special guest. None of us Basically would be there. by yourself. You'd be there with whoever you came with or whoever else is uh, spending their Tuesday night at uh, Guilford Hall Brewery, which is a great place to spend a Tuesday night. If you got no plans, go there anyway. They might even be doing Halloween-themed things. I don't know. But next Tuesday night, that's the time to be there. December 7th, be back at Guilford Hall Brewery. Tuesday, December 7th for the next Tyus Bowser show. It's brought to you by AJ Michael, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Find out more, PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. We will see you next Tuesday night, one week from tomorrow, November 7th, for the next Tyus Bowser show. As always, five Ravens, two must-be defensive players, two must-be offensive players. The fifth can be another offensive player, another defensive player, a special teams player, or a coach. Rank them five to one with number one being your man of the match. My number five, just a couple weeks ago, the Ravens played in London, and we were, like, scratching our heads. What's going on with this dude? What is happening really? here? He is, there's something wrong there. And yet Rashad Bateman, from a lack of effort that we thought, or running the wrong route leading to an interception, then turns around and delivers a play. It's not just a catch. It's a 1,000% that should have been an interception in the first half. That should have been a game-turning type of play. At the only point in which the game was in any doubt, the Ravens trailing 7-0, Rashad Bateman takes what in every way should have been an egregious interception thrown by Lamar Jackson and somehow contorts his body back to not just get back into the play, but to stum- somehow steal away a huge catch. Then add in, because you would say his numbers look kind of pedestrian, right? Two catches for 34 yards. Well, he added in that sweep that looked really good for 18 yards to the left side. And then what nobody's noticing, and we brought it up earlier when we were talking with Dan Wilcox, his blocking has been much better of late. I have no doubt that Rashad Bateman still wants to be more involved in the offense. 
And I don't know how much it impacted him that he kind of took a little bit of a step backwards in his return. But he looked like a different dude yesterday that was more invested in the little things. And that stood out significantly on a day where it wasn't... Like, if you defaulted to Mark Andrews, it's fine. I'm certainly not going to beat you up about choosing Mark Andrews. But after what it looked like, I think Mark Andrews' fantasy owners in the first quarter were like, oh, yeah, he's going... I'm pretty sure I went one and two this week. I'll double-check it. Um, but he kind of, you know went quiet from there no one really stood out offensively the stuff that Rashad Bateman was doing was significant so Rashad Bateman is my number five all right um I you know say I, I feel the same you know no one really stood out um that 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 greatly offensively so I just went with uh, Lamar Jackson here I thought he still played a great game um outside of that was pretty, I didn't, really the only I didn't really think he played a great game like I thought I he thought was he played fine I, I thought, thought he played he very well okay and the, the you know the turnovers have been a thing the turnovers have been a thing he didn't register any there were zero turnovers yesterday which I thought was which I think is a big deal um the throw that stuck out to me the most was the one where it was Ag- Aglor ended up dropping it but it was a tight window and he yeah. put it right on the money Aglor should have caught it and <laughs> yeah that was and tough because it was throw. contacted it wasn't like he was wide open I mean mm-hmm. like that w- he took on some contacts that's a tough one I do think it was a good throw though I yeah. agree with you that it's a good throw I don't um, know how much I can I can be critical and, of Aguilar on that and, one. And, you know, I mean, he, he, he wasn't running the ball as much, but, you know, he really wasn't quite as – he wasn't under as much pressure, I guess. Uh, um, and he didn't have to really make stuff happen with his legs. The one play he did pick up – he scrambled for, uh, for for 10, 13 yards and picked up a first down. And, you know, I mean, he was just Lamar Jackson. He didn't have the stats that, you know, we expect Lamar Jackson to have. Um, and that was okay. They got the win, so Lamar led them – helped okay. lead them to that win. I'll take Lamar as my five. Okay, that's uh, that's fine. Number four. Nobody wants to put him on their list, but yesterday, this man, five punts, 48.4 yards per punt, four inside the 20-yard line, including a 59-yarder. When the Ravens' offense went sideways yesterday, Justin or Justin Stout. Uh, way to making, go. Right? This is a great Jordan, promo. Yeah, right? Jordan Stout stepped up. Jordan Stout got the job done. And I get it, it's tough. And we'll talk more about it when we get to the defensive players that are on my list that aren't on the list. And there are guys that I wanted to put on the list. Um, but I don't I I just think we ignore it. Like, because they're not punters aren't on your fantasy team. No one ever ignores it when it's a kicker, but we like have this weird bit where we ignore when punters are getting the job done. And Stout, who I think we actually had some questions about after last year. I think a little bit of like maybe the Ravens pulled the trigger a bit too early in making their move, although if Sam Cook was always going to retire, then they needed to get a punter no matter what. Um, I think he's been great this year. I think he has stepped up and delivered, and I thought he was excellent yesterday at a time, a period in the game in which the Ravens were kind of figuring it out offensively and was massive for them. So Jordan Stout is my number four. Um, I've always been high on George Stout as well for the record. I, didn't I think had he him was great last year. I had him I, I in, was, I, after the after week 1 against the Jets I had him in my pass pass on the ass. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't think he had I, a very good year. Because because of the things you mentioned, you know, we just lost Sam Cook and I thought, you know, he yeah. played well enough and uh you know, all right, moving on. Uh, I did not have Jordan Stout on my list. I put Geno Stone here at 4. Yeah, um, I mean, he's just been, Marcus I, Williams has been down. He's been banged up well, I think he's been Marcus Williams is really, you know, like I I I I try to I think Marcus Williams is entering a period where like you almost have to have a conversation about it. <laughs> like, I, um, you can't, I don't think you can get out from the money on Marcus Williams. 
but it's the unfortunate thing about a guy that's making it's the same conversation we're having about Tyus Bowser right now when you're making a certain amount of money and you're not on the field like like when I I don't know I I don't know but yeah um yeah so Geno Stone's my I mean the interception was big I think he's and he's been he's just been playing really really sound defense Marlon Humphrey called him uh depoy on the uh victory IG live that's that's and uh I mean I don't know know. that's over the top first Raven with five interceptions in the first eight games of the season since uh, Ed Reed. Ed Reed, yeah. yes. Only two yeah. Ravens with five interceptions yeah. through the first half of the season. So uh, it's pretty good company. Geno Stone's been playing very well. Uh, Here's the issue. I like recognizing And Geno Stone and Justin Matabike were the two that I left off my list, Ooh. right? Like the two of them were the two that I left so off you my put list. Roquan? No, not Roquan. Oh. Brandon Stevens is going to show up um, next on my list. The reason why it's tough, it's tough when it comes to the, the interceptions yesterday because they were, yeah, they were horrible throws. I, I don't know, like, you're but not... Gino was still, he had to, I mean, I guess, yeah, it would have been thrown right to Brandon Stevens had Gino not come up with it. That's but Gino the, still had to... I, I don't know how to talk about that. I don't know how to handle that when I measure it. Like, it would be shameful for there to not have been these two interceptions. But yet, Brandon Stevens makes my list. And it's because Brandon Stevens, again, I don't know why we continue to let Griffin be a part of this, this, comp- this, this exercise, because... There's for whatever reason this thing. Last year it was Patrick Queen. This year it's Brandon Stevens. Where like everybody on the planet is seeing how well someone is playing, and yet my pal GB is just like, yeah, but I decided he wasn't good, so I don't care. Uh, Brandon Stevens has been awesome. He's been awesome, like a- almost unheard of. And the the part that you don't want to say out loud is he's been the better Ravens cornerback. Now, I'm not saying I don't still trust Marlon Humphrey. I don't think Marlon Humphrey can't still be Marlon Humphrey or anything along those lines. But Brandon Stevens has been excellent. Like, excellent. And continues to be. And it was difficult to believe both Gino and Matabike off the list. That was very tough. It was a day where I thought there were four really deserving. You could put Roquan in that conversation. I think Roquan would have deserved to be in that argument as well. But what Brandon Stevens is doing is bonkers man it is for a guy that we had written off for a guy that was just a body for the most part to have become this level of player is it's crazy man but brandon stevens is my number three uh this is where i put matabike i thought matabike had to be on the list and uh i don't know that he had to be on the list like i get it he from the start the point that was made by um gordon mcginnis beginning of the game is true like yes he made plays in the backfield but they weren't very good against the run. That's the that's the difficult yeah, part I mean, about judging the day. For, I don't know. Like, it'd be interesting to look at what the, the grades were from Adebike. Like, I don't know on the totality. I definitely think he was deserving of consideration. I'm not – I'm certainly not criticizing you for him being on the list. Having a career year, six and a half well, sacks now in yeah, the season. He's a monster. He had three QB hits yesterday. I, I agree. I think he was very Matt deserving. Playing great. But I couldn't say I think he had to be on the list because – he was also on the field for a lot of those snaps against the run, and that was the part that was tough for me. Um, number two is Gus. It's not really about the three touchdowns. It's just about him being the guy that, like, when they needed to lean on someone, he was the guy for them to lean on, and he got them over the finish line on a day where not everybody was getting them over the finish line. So that's what it is. Gus Edwards is number two. Ditto. Michael Pierce was the best player on the football field yesterday, which is wild, Jack. It's wild. It's awesome. You know, you guys know the affinity that I have for Michael Pierce. He's one of my favorite people. Um, I, this is this is crazy. I mean, it's this is nuts. 
Guy played 11 total football games over three seasons and is is having arguably a career year. Um, and that's not to take away. When Michael Pierce was you know, young in his career, he was playing really good football. So it, I can't say definitively career year, but arguably career year. And yesterday was the best player on the field, which is just bonkers, man. Um, and 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 yes, the incredulousness by which, from everything we can say about the broadcast crew yesterday, the incredulousness by which they were like, that's it. It was almost like, um, what's his face doing the Cedric Mullins, like the, the incredulous, like it's Michael Pierce again, again. It's Michael Pierce. It was just an unbelievable day. Michael Pierce number one for me. Uh, yeah, Michael Pierce as well. You mean? You covered it all. Yep. You not, a, great. not a lot of variance. Yeah, not a lot of variance from everybody else. We got a bunch of listen, but you know, like I didn't have Stone or Matabika on my list. He, they showed up on a lot of people's mm-hmm. list, understandably. Mark Andrews showed up on a few lists. Again, I'm totally fine with that. I went with Bateman, but I can understand it being Andrews. That's about it. Like, there's not. I didn't even see anybody that had Rokon on their list. Maybe I just yeah. Well, I, Rokon was my fourth guy, like the fourth defensive player. Uh, PFF grades were just published. If you want to, sure. Yeah, uh, remembering this the is, this highest graded Raven was, of course, Michael, Michael Pierce. Pierce. Yeah. Yes. Second highest defensive player, Brandon Stevens. Not that surprised. He was Michael Pierce was the third highest graded defensive uh, lineman on the on the week as well. Kind of surprised there were two that were graded higher than he was. Where? Uh, what about um, Matabike? What was the uh, Matabike's grade was a 70. You know, he was the fifth best Raven. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. That's a tough, you know, like, I, I think he had a bad Peter I, Steven Smith, uh, Geno Stone, Matabike, the top five. That's, that's, that's about right for me. Like, that to me is, that smells about right on the day. It's again, I think he played well. I just think that I, in deciding between he and some other guys, I, I, I couldn't lean towards Matabike ahead of Brandon Stevens or, uh, Obviously, Michael Pierce. What about the offense? Uh, offensively, Tyler Linderbaum was the highest-graded offensive I'll, player. I'll kick myself for not paying more attention to that. I guess that makes sense with Gus Edwards running behind him that Tyler Linderbaum had. I just didn't notice him having a great day, yeah, but big, that's on me. Big day for the line. Zeitler was two. Uh, yeah. Andrews, three. Simpson, four. Okay. All right. That's on me. That's on me for not paying more. And I like to try to be the guy that's paying attention to the offensive mm-hmm. line. I just... I, none of them individually stood out to me, but I believe that. That all then sounds about Gus right. Then Gus and Bateman behind okay. them. All right. Very good. Very good. We will get uh, ours up at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, a little bit later on today, Pat's on the ass. We do it every Monday. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, I'll try to go quick, but I have a, I have a good bit of them since it was, a, it was a busy sports weekend. The Broncos, they did beat the Chiefs uh, yesterday, 24-9, to and, uh, yeah, a game that was just was never even close, and that snapped uh, a ton of streaks that the Chiefs had uh, had entering the game. They had won 16 straight against the Broncos, obviously, so that was the Broncos' first win since 2015. Um, against the Chiefs, they had won 13 straight division games as well. Patrick Mahomes had also had 29 straight games with a passing touchdown, um, and all of those were snapped. He had also won 16 I, straight. I don't know. I really don't know. it Again, because we didn't get to watch any of it, I have no idea what to make of it. He also won 16 straight road uh, division games as well, That's which wild. was the second longest streak uh, of all time. So, yeah, so the Broncos uh, kind of defied, uh, defied everything 
in that win. Um, this one came from Marty Martingdale uh, from Elias. Uh, so Sounds like a fake name. Yeah, he's. A, I think he's a real guy. I don't know. He, it doesn't sound real. Does it, will that discredit the stat I'm about to read then? Before Kansas beat Oklahoma, number six Oklahoma, they were 0-99-1 all time against uh, top 10 ranked teams. <laughs> that does sound right for yeah. what it's worth. Uh, after trailing, sorry, I, I didn't read it. After trailing, entering the fourth quarter. Was the rest of the stat? They were 0-99 and one all time. Oh, and they came okay. back to win all and right. beat Oklahoma. Yeah, but it does sound. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> still does I don't sound. I remember. Right. Did they beat somebody last year though? Didn't they? Um, yeah, they, they, uh, Texas? Did they Texas? Did they Texas. I think they did beat Texas. Yeah. Um, Although Texas isn't good, it's totally possible. <laughs> Odolis Garcia, first player to hit a walk-off home run in Game One of the World Series since 1988, when Kirk Gibson did it first walk-off in Game One. Since then. Uh, as the Rangers won Game 1 of the World Series, walk-off fashion, on Friday night. And uh, thanks to Corey Seager and his big two-run yeah, two homer there. Yeah, but think about it. If not for that, the Diamondbacks are up 2-0. Yeah. Like, that's to, to me, the crazy part is in that moment, you're thinking, like, oh, that could swing the entire series. Like, you lose a game like that, especially when the Diamondbacks, the way they got here is through their bullpen. You lose a game like that, that could be, you know, killer for you. To then turn around and do what they did Saturday in Game 2... That's why, like, you suddenly start swinging the pendulum a little bit, and you start to feel like the Diamondbacks maybe have the upper hand. Because if you can bounce back from that, I, a lot of people make comparisons to the '01 World Series, where you know George Bush threw the first pitch. And did you see the overlay video of Game Three of the Game Three of the two? There's a video that's out there that's comparing Game One of this year's World Series to Game Three of the '01 World Series. George W. Bush throws the first pitch. Then in the ninth inning of game three in 01, they, they're up by two and they give up a two-run home run to tie it up. And then they Derek Jeter's game-winning home run in that game of the World Series was opposite field, just, just clearing the wall exactly like Adolis Garcia's was mm. on game one. It's a wild video. Like, you know, it's a glitch in the simulation <laughs> type of response that you see. I got to see if I can find it. Okay. Um, the, yeah, but as you said, the D-backs definitely bounced back on Saturday. They became the sixth team in World Series history with to have 15 hits as a team and then two or fewer strikeouts as a team. This Only the sixth team ever to do that. The last to do it uh, were the 2002 Angels in Game 2, uh, where they didn't strike out once, actually, in that game. Uh, the 87 Twins in Game 6, and then before that, 1928 Yankees, 1912 Giants, 1910 Philadelphia A's. And uh, Kettle Marte is having a crazy postseason. Now it has an 18-game hit streak in the postseason, which is the most all-time. That is the record longest hit streak in postseason history. It broke a, t- broke a four-way tie with these three guys. Do you want to try to guess who the other three to have 17-game hit streaks? That's no Jeter. Jeter is on there. That's why these idiots think he was one of the greatest players of all time. Well, Kettle Marte, maybe he's a... Uh... Yeah, right. Uh, 17 games. Or Cattell Marte. Yeah. yeah, 17 games in the playoffs. 17 games in the playoffs. 17 straight games. Yeah, I know. The problem is you want to go with just, like, Ted Williams. But they didn't... Uh, no, that's the thing. Um, wow. Modern? Um, yes. One is modern. modern. The other one is a long time ago. How about... How about... Uh, Pedroia? Not Pedroia. Right team, though. Right team. 
writing. Jacoby Ellsbury. Not so, I guess maybe not that exact team, but well, I mean, same but team. the Red Sox yes, is the what Red you're Sox. saying. I get it. I'm, not Ellsbury. I'm trying to think of hitters. Like yeah, yeah. you know, I'm just trying to think of guys that recorded hits. Um, oh, Mookie Betts. Not Mookie. All right, maybe I should just start naming guys. Uh, Mitch Moreland. <laughs> no. Nomar Garcia Parra. No. Jackie Bradley Jr. No. Xander Bogarts. No. Think like the first team that. Manny Ramirez? Manny Ramirez. Really? Manny Ramirez had a 17-game history yeah, in the postseason. I guess we forget how good of a hitter he was because you only think of him as a power mm-hmm. hitter, but like he was a good all-around The hitter. third player with a 17-game hit streak was a former Orioles manager, Orioles Hall of Famer. Hank Bauer? Hank Bauer had a 17-game hit streak in the playoffs so during his playing days. Okay. I, would, yeah. I definitely would not have known that. Uh, which one? Uh, this is the 11th consecutive World Series that will not end in a sweep. The last sweep in the World Series was 2012 when the Giants won. And it is the second longest stretch of World Series games without a sweep ever. The longest was a 12-year streak from 77 to 88. So How about that? Yeah, how about that? We're getting some good World Series. And uh, and then, all right, so yeah, we'll do this one. Merrill Kelly, uh, he became the 10th pitcher to have nine strikeouts, no walks in a World Series game. Nine strikeouts. No walks. No walks. In a World Series game. Yes. Don Larson. No. Oh, Eight of the ten uh, have happened since 2000. Eight of the ten have happened since 2000. Josh Beckett. No, not Josh Beckett. Because like, you got to remember who had no walks, and who yeah. remembers that? Like you, All you're thinking of is dominant playoff performances. Pedro Martinez. Not Pedro. Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling is on the list. 2001 what with a, the and, Arizona Diamondbacks. And what a good guy he is. <sighs> Uh, Adam Wainwright. Not Waino. Uh, big game Tim Lincecum. Mm, no. That's a weird way of saying that. Madison yeah, Bumgarner. Uh, no, okay, there's no, gi- no Giants. Okay. There, uh, Max Scherzer. No, not Max Scherzer. Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander with the Astros in 2017. Not the only pitcher from that specific World Series to 2015. What did you 2017. say? 2017. So, oh god. Um, not the only pitcher from the 2017 World Series. Ugh, I can't remember who was good. Um, did I say? Did I say Kershaw? Kershaw is okay. the other one. Yes, Kershaw in that. Exact World yeah. Series in Game One of that World Series, and then I just realized I, I yeah. thought I had named him and then I didn't, so that makes sense. All right, um, K C C Sabathier, not C C. No, there is one Yankee, one Yankee. There's on one Yankee on the list. Pettit, not Pettit. There is a Yankee on the list. Garrett Cole, not Garrett Cole. Huh. Hmm. Um. Does it count? And you said it starts in two thousand. Yes, he did this in two thousand. This Yankee uh, was Clemens. It was Roger yeah. Clemens. Yes, in the two thousand World Series. Okay. How about David Price? No, not David Price. There uh, is a Tampa Ray though. Matt Moore? Not Matt Moore. Cobb? No. God damn. 
don't remember. I was going to say Roy Holiday, unrelated. Mm, no, not Roy Holiday. There is a Philly, though. Cliff Lee? Cliff Lee in the 2009 World Series. The Ray was in the 2020 World Series. Oh, God. So it was just... Um, oh, it would have been... Uh, oh, for Christ's sakes. I feel like we always, this guy you always... Or you know who it is, and you for some reason it's, you can't um, come up with the name. No longer a Ray. Blake Snell? Blake Snell. Blake Snell. Um, one say more Morton, but mm. one uh, more uh, since two thousand. One more since two thousand. Is it a Cub? Arietta. Uh, it was that World Series, not a Cub though. It was. Oh God, who was pitching for the Gar the Cleveland in that World Series? Bieber? Not Bieber. I don't think he was. Yeah. Uh, Clevenger? Not Clevenger. Cool. Um. Did he win Cy Young this year? I think he might have won. It would have been. It would have been. Oh God! It would have been. Oh yeah! It would have been. Um, Kluber. Yes, Kluber. Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber. So those are the eight uh, since two thousand. Two more. Uh, nineteen forty nine and nineteen oh three. So just tell me. Don Newcomb. Oh, actually, I probably and should then, have gotten Don Newcomb. And then in nineteen oh three. Uh, Deacon Felipe. Oh, Deacon Felipe! The first World Series ever. Ah, oh, I should have gotten it. Yeah, I believe that was game. I think that was the first World Series game ever. Ah, oh, how about that? Yeah, how about that? All right, very good. Uh, Tubular is brought to you by Superbook. So let me look at the odds for tonight because we know it's a barn burner tonight. Raiders Lions. Ah, oh, huge, huge game. So tonight, Lions minus seven and a half. I happen to think they're playing their first like meaningful primetime home game in over a decade, they're going to blow the brakes off the Raiders. That's my thought. I Bounce like them the, back as well. I like the Lions. And, yeah, coming off that performance, I like the Lions tonight. Uh, the Rangers are favored on the road tonight. Because of so who's pitching? Scherzer. Fott is pitching for? And Fott. Yeah, that's really weird. The that's Rangers weird. are – it's very just close. The, just the name value? It's minus 110 for the Rangers tonight. And even money for the Diamondbacks. So it's extraordinarily slight. But slight favorites – the number tonight is nine so and So we're getting the D-backs at plus 100? We getting the Diamondbacks at plus 100 tonight. Mm, okay. Getting the Diamondbacks okay. and uh, minus one and a half at plus 190. So, wait, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand these odds whatsoever. I really don't. I, I'm, anyway. Anyway. So go there now. Yeah. That's Before what I would do. <laughs> That's what I would do is get on it right now because I'm doing the math in my head and I'm like, this doesn't seem right. Seems irresponsible. Why are they? But why are they? Why are you getting plus? All right, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. Whatever. Whatever. Just go bet on it. That's what you should do. Go bet on it. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code Glenn yeah, Clark twenty three. I see what you're saying. Right. Like, why is the one and a half? Why is the ex- in favor of the, the half run making the odds so different? Right. Like. The Rangers win. They have to win by one. Why are the odds so different based on a half a run? I'm just whatever. Anyway, the moral of the story is, Glenn Clark twenty three is the code. Use it when you sign up. You'll get up two hundred fifty dollars in a same day first bet match, win or lose from Superbook. World Series game three tonight, as I mentioned. Scherzer and Fott eight o'clock on Fox. Raiders Lions at eight fifteen on ABC and ESPN. No Manning cast. I'm so sorry tonight. I guess because the World Series is on at the same time. Celtics Wizards at seven on Monumental. NBA TV for Warriors Pelicans at eight. Magic Lakers at ten thirty. Fox Sports One MLS playoffs tonight. Nashville SC Orlando City at seven. FC Dallas Seattle Sounders at nine. No national TV hockey games, but today is the only day apparently on the calendar year for a sports equinox. 
this season. The, the only Series. day where you get uh, all four major professional sports leagues Sweet. playing a game at the same time. So enjoy it. It's the yes. only one that you get all year. And the USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw tonight. Wow, pl- and WWE. Yeah, right. You get it's a it's like a, a double equinox yeah. more or less. So wait a second, how does that make sense? Because couldn't there be a game? There MLS. I know there too. wouldn't be a game on Thursday. So yeah, that actually does make sense. So the series we wrapped up by Saturday. So there wouldn't be on. There's no game Thursday. There wouldn't be a game Sunday. So yeah, yeah no this NFL. is it. Wow. And there's MLS tonight too. Yeah. So who didn't play last Thursday? Oh, there was no World Series game last Thursday. It started on Friday. Yeah. Sports equinox. They're doing a better job of trying to avoid football, I guess. Yeah. Although they do go up against football tonight, but they get they get good luck. Raiders Lions. If you're ever <laughs> gonna pick a football game to go up against, this would be the one to choose. Or last. Well, yeah, I guess. And game seven, what would be the big college football game next? Oh, it's LSU Alabama. That's a tough one. They did, they would be up against. If there's a game seven, it would be up against LSU Alabama on Saturday night. But still, it's not yeah, LSU. It's, it's and it's not like LSU Alabama when they were number one versus number two. Yeah. Like it's it's still a good game. It'll be on our list. I'm sure. You're welcome, John. But it's not that LSU Alabama. See if we can get around that game. Somewhere. Anything non sports wise? No. Okay. Uh, Henry Winkler will be on Colbert. I do like Henry Winkler. He's not promoting. I thought Barry was over. There could be no more Barry. Right? Yeah. Uh, I think he wrote a memoir. I think, which might be the okay. I would, which might be I what would, he's talking about. God, can we get can we get him on, please? Can Henry Winkler on? I love Henry Winkler. Okay. God, like, I love Henry. Find Winkler. out. Yeah. I mean, he stayed around for more of the Happy Madison than he should have. Like he definitely was in a lot of bad Happy Madison movies too. But God, Henry Winkler's the best. Yeah, that's it. Uh, okay. Michael Shannon will be on Fallon. I like Michael Shannon, too. <laughs> Again, I don't know what they're plugging. Uh, Nate Bargetsy was great on Saturday Night mm. Live. He was, uh, he was great. They didn't have him do, like, they didn't stretch him very much, but, like, his monologue was wonderful, and he was just sort of a joy. And her sat in with Foo Fighters for a second. It was a good, it was good, S- good SNL this week. Very good SNL. The George Washington sketch. If you watch one, watch that one. Chef's Kiss. Chef's Kiss. The George Washington sketch. All right, very good. Thanks today to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks also to Gordon McGinnis. I always almost called him Guinness McGordon. Gordon McGinnis. Good name. As well as Dan Wilcox. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, tomorrow, of course, we'll preview Waiver Wire Wednesday with Joe Serpico. We'll have the next um, County Sports Zone radio segment uh, with Wes Brown and his Chris Sims. Chris tomorrow. Sims will join us tomorrow. Right, yes. Chris Sims from NBC will be on with us tomorrow as well, get his thoughts on the Ravens. And it's, it turns out probably would have been better to do it after the trade deadline, but you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. It's what it is. Must have make a move today. That would be good. That would be great if they did that. All right, thanks, everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, the Maryland Five Star, A.J. Michaels, Baltimore County Police Department, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Go nobody. Duke sucks. <laughs>